The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five welterweight wars in MMA with special guest Jordan Killian. We're going deep, ladies and gentlemen. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, and listeners work. You can find him at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's show, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA with, with no card, with a little bit of a break. In fact, MMA Junkie Radio, as well as on a break, we need to focus on top five and bringing it back. So officially bringing it back with me, of course, uh, I gotta have uh, one of my co-hosts with the most, in fact, probably with the most uh, shows on the most co-hosts on this show under his belt, uh, notches on his bat, if you will. Jordan Killian at J Killian MMA. What's up, dude? Yo, what up, man? I'm glad to be back. I'm glad you're still uh, keep on keeping on and I've been listening to you on the radio. And that's cool to say, hey, my friends on the radio. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm your friend because I got an image with uh, that I that I just painted with the notches in the bat from that that mean character from Gangs of New York. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was going to start swearing like Bill the Butcher, but I feel like that could offend a lot of people right this, away. This is a kill. I would be – if I was in Gangs of New York, I would be one of the guys that died right away. Like in that first battle, like I'm like, oh, sh- who, who – like, and while I'm thinking about what side I'm fighting for, I'm, I'm getting shanked in the – by some Irishman, like right, right, in the, right in the kidneys. Yeah, I think, like, getting ready for the battle will probably be the most fun part. Like, I felt like there was a lot of peacocking going on in that room. Mm-hmm. Where we're sharpening knives in their boots, like, right. you know, putting paint on. Like, I, I would probably be the guy turning, like, yeah, but then slowly making my way toward the back of the crowd as we're walking. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, come on, guys, you're like, come on. You're pretending like you're hyping everybody up as you're walking to back just to, <laughs> to get further back. Yeah, my, my, my paths in the back of support are slowly turning into pushes so I can slowly file back a column <laughs> one by one. <laughs> This yeah. is where it comes in handy to be a very nondescript white man like myself, because I, <laughs> heritage-wise, I am I am Irish, but I look like I could pass for like an Italian or a Mediterranean, like Greek maybe, like I could pass for a lot of stuff. So nondescript white people would win that battle because I could be like, you know, somebody's coming to stab me, like, oh, what are you talking about, Seamus? And then like, you know, two seconds later, I'd be like, oh, I can't believe that you said me. You got to go kill that guy. I don't know. That was a bad impression. I probably just. <laughs> I just made people mad. <laughs> no, I love, I love how that's immediately like what we what we what we see those scenes and we we, we associate with like, hey, how would we escape that shit? Like, because that's my thing. Like, the, that's that's the one thing I'm waiting for Hollywood to do, Jordan. Maybe not so much in Gangs in New York. I didn't see too many of long weapons like a Braveheart, but let, let's just say Braveheart for example. Like, most of the casualties there, like, it wasn't pissed me off that I was probably gonna die in battle. Is that I was gonna die because my friend was gonna backswing right into my head, you know? I know. Like, they're fighting so close and swinging, like, you know, spiked bats and fucking maces and swords and all this shit. And I'm like, how is not, at least give me, like, one shot of, like, whoops, like, you know, like some guy getting, like, you know, <laughs> 
friendly fired because you know that shit had to have happened. Like I, I analysts here. I wish I had percentages on how much fucking friendly fire happened in those battles back then. But anyway, right? You know, horses were just trampling people left and right. If if you got a horse running through like a crowded battlefield, that that thing is twelve. You know, hundred pounds or however big horses. I don't know, but it's fucking people up both sides. It doesn't it doesn't see who's on each side. Yeah, it's like you know, and not all those horses. It's not going to be their first battle. You know, at least like two or three of them are going to go green, run astray, set the other ones apart, trample yeah. a, a few infantrymen. You know, <laughs> what if that was the whole movie? It starts and like the the war starts and like the horses just lose their shit. And it's just a bunch of cowards who don't want to be there. And then the movie's over like eight minutes in when everyone's like. Ooh. <laughs> and the Jesus. horses are fucking running off the other way. Uh, I don't I'd know. watch that. I, I just feel like me and you were like, we, we, we're, we're slowly turn this podcast and, and probably any conversation we have to like clerks where we're breaking down, you know, the Death Star where it's like, uh, yeah. Like, how many carpenters do you think were were innocent carpenters and were taken out when the when the rebels attacked? Yeah, like, yeah I mean, you shit? know that you know that one of that guy's like motherfucker, I clogged, unclogged his goddamn toilet again. He's like walking there and then he gets killed. You know, it's point. Of, it's part of part of life, I guess. It, it is part of life. Speaking of which, we will get to our top five welterweight wars. By the way, that is that is in case you couldn't tell by our banter, that is what we'll be breaking down. But while, while while the Star Wars thing came up, actually, real quick, uh, old Dan Tom with his break has been able to. Uh, do things like watch movies and sleep, uh, amongst other things, which is, which is <laughs> fucking great. Um, but uh, so I've been catching up on movies, and I can't remember. But wasn't the internet set of fire when the Last Jedi came out with like takes on whether you loved it or hated it, and it was just like one of those polarizing ones. My, my- it was. You're right, man. It was very divisive. I think most people loved it or hated it, and uh, I'm interested to see where you uh, fall on that spectrum. Okay, I'll give you my take, but again, you had you had. Mind you, I'm I'm more of a Star Wars nerd as far as like the '70s shit and like the newer mm-hmm. stuff. I uh, the the newer stuff I can follow the new episodes, and then the new new stuff I can eh, like Rogue One. I'm watching the whole time, and I'm like, I think it took me like to like the middle of the movie where I go, oh, this has nothing to do with this, the one that came out before. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, I still don't know the title of, and I didn't go back to watch or refresh myself. The Force um, I, Awakens. Yeah, I just remember it was like – I just remember that the chick was who had Jedi powers who – I remember they, they were really spelling out who she was related to, but they didn't fucking say it. And I'm mm-hmm. not a nerd who follows the, the, the lore or anything like that that hardcore, but I'm pretty sure I saw things where it's like, okay, it's clear sure. she has a certain relation. And, of course, she can fucking sword fight without any tra- – anyways. But you know what? To be fair, they did that for the males too, so it's not like a, a gender thing. But it felt like there were some heavy-handed things in the first thing, but even though it had a, re- a lot of really good shit in there. So I was like, cool, cool. I'll, I'll see Rogue One. Rogue One was its own thing. Uh, again, dumbass Dan doesn't realize it's not connected, but I appreciate the story for what it is. <laughs> okay, so now we're back last Jedi, right? And now we're seeing familiar characters. Like, what's that What's that guy that plays the pilot? I like him. He played Apocalypse. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he's got the cool name. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But I, I felt like his character was underutilized. I felt like, you know, it's yeah. like at a certain point, like, what are we, what are we doing with, with Oscar Isaac here? He's just kind of showing up and he's lighting up the screen. He's doing his job. But, you know, I felt like the story was kind of, uh, was kind of everywhere, needlessly elaborate at points, which is like a lot of these, these remakes and redubs. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I don't know, man. Um, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of forgetting a lot of it. I did watch it kind of late, but, uh, but no, um, I don't know. What, what, what did you take? You'll, you'll probably refresh me if you talk so, about it, to be honest. Yeah, so. sure, sure. So, number one, Benicio del Toro is awesome in it. Yes, he was a surprise. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize he was in it, and it was a pleasant yeah. surprise. 
yeah, he was awesome. He's awesome in everything. But yes. yeah, uh, so my thing with the Last Jedi, and I'm I think I'm on the same boat as you. I'm a big fan of Star Wars, the uh, you know the '70s movies that came. I I always want to say original trilogy, but you know obviously they're four, five, and six. But big fan. I even like the prequels for what they are. Yeah, uh, and a Rogue One. I they're thought animals. Really Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was about to do my boss nass impression and say, "Ooh," but, but I, won't, I won't do it. I'll, I'll do too many gungans on Sorry, this podcast. Go ahead. I don't do sidetrack. You go. Through. There's so much more. I was like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> but uh, oh, Rogue One was a flaming pile of garbage until about the last 15 minutes when Darth Vader yes. came and started wrecking. That was yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. But then, but then, yeah. So. Uh, I, I enjoyed Force Awakens for what it was. I, you know, I didn't think it was this masterpiece. I thought it was a good way to not only remind people of what Star Wars is supposed to be, but it's a good way to get a new generation into Star Wars. So I was totally cool with that. Last Jedi, I thought could have been really, really good. I think like seventy percent of the movie was really good, and I think there was some really dumb stuff that made made me really mad, like Finn and that girl like falling in love kind of and going off to that casino planet was so heavy handed with like the slavery stuff like yes i I get it you're trying to have a message, but like that that whole scene just it kind of threw the movie off course for me um I thought the uh obviously the 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 graph like the images the imagery was amazing uh that scene where like the sound cuts out and you see the the ship blast through and like it just kind of starts to slowly uh implode uh yeah. that was like one of the coolest one of the most striking like star wars moments like ever it was it was awesome um I, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's a little heavy-handed with some of the foreshadowing they're doing. I like what they're doing with Kylo Ren. I think they're setting him up to be a really, really, really interesting character. Um, Ray's cool. I, I agree with you. I think Poe uh, is they should Oscar Isaac. They should utilize more. I was interested with with what they did with Snoke. I was kind of surprised with that. Um, yeah, yeah, but, me too. But yeah, man. Overall, I think I liked it. I think that just the huge misstep of taking the Finn character, who's like. I don't want to say the comic relief, but he's kind of like the, uh, I don't know what to describe him as, but he's one of our, he's one of our main characters that we care about on, on, on our side. And we take him off to this stupid planet that makes really that whole entire sequence made no sense. and had no yes. bearing on the outcome. Yes. Movie. And it's just that, that, that could have all been scrapped. And, and I think the movie would have been a lot tighter for it, but I liked it overall, man. I thought it was pretty good. It's funny. That scene had you checking your watch because you're just like, are they going to have time for this shit? And only the writers caught themselves so that you hear the actors going, uh, what's our time? And they kept checking in with the audience, like to remind you, like, we, we know, we know we're going to come back. Totally. So that was, it was so stupid. But other than that, I like, yeah, I didn't. I, th- that death scene was in a. I won't give a spoiler, but definitely doesn't even doesn't hold the candle to the to Darth Maul Obi Wan apprentice uh, battle, which oh. is still fucking just the shit. Right, it's the best yeah. part of that movie. But uh, wait, how, we, we, how pissed? Just real quick, how pissed yeah. were you as a kid going to the movie theater and Darth Maul never never talking? Like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's so <laughs> badass and he doesn't say anything. Like, Darth Vader's got all these badass lines, and uh, you know, even Dooku had some cool lines, and the Emperor obviously has some good lines, and like. Darth Maul, like just visually, is one of the most striking, badass-looking dudes ever, yeah. and he's like an awesome swordsman. You know, he's he's fighting with his lightsaber, and then he does—he never talks. He never says a word. It was such bullshit. I was so mad. Yeah, I know what you mean. He sounds like a creep when he talks to X Men because it's the same guy who plays Toad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, man, I wish I, I had more takes for the, uh, the the last Jedi. I'm kind of realizing now, but yeah, I do like the Adam Driver kid. He's definitely got some chops. Um, but yeah, a lot of heavy-handed stuff. Especially, I don't want to come off sexist or anything, but like, 
you know, with the, even with the female thing, like, uh, like I get it. We can have a strong character. Like we, we, they weren't like lifetime heavy-handed with certain things, but there was just a lot of like, okay, we get it. We we know where you're gonna go with this, and I probably sound awful by saying that, but do you kind of get what I'm saying? Is that, yeah, I don't no, know. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and I also saw a movie you wanted my opinion on. Um, the other movie I saw was uh, was Tusk, something I'm meaning to see. I'm a, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I, I knew this was gonna be different from his. Um, but I saw Tusk. Um, do you want me to give my thoughts on it first, Jordan, or did you give your thoughts? Because I don't have a lot on it. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I knew it was going to be kind of wild, and kind of knew there was going to be some graphic turns, um, and that it was based off a podcast. I didn't go back to listen to that Origin podcast or anything, by the way. But uh, it was kind of like a, you know, Kevin Smith reminded me of like, like Stephen King because when he when he does these these things like uh, these when he goes kind of steps outside. It's a like mm-hmm. really good build. Uh, his other one coincidentally had Michael Parks too, who right. I'll, I'll compare to Dust from Dust Till Dawn, who I used the music for this podcast, this year podcast, which has Michael Parks again. Um, the thing with the From Dust Till Dawn is it's about an hour of character building, so you give, you give a shit about the characters, and I I, I right. love that. I love that. Yeah. That way, whether it's a fucking vampire shoot or a crazy person, uh, whatever is the turn, you're more. It, it has more of an impact for better or worse, and I like that. Absolutely, it's high risk, but I like it. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of like what I think what Kevin Smith did with his uh, what was it Red State was the one with Michael Parks before oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and it's gonna start getting kind of crazy, and then you kind of, that's where it kind of loses most people. And I think that, that that's what happened with obviously with with Tusk, especially with the visuals. And I don't want to give too much spoilers there. Uh, but uh, but but yeah, it was it was um, I, I like the performances. Of course, were were good. But yeah, I think I think once it starts getting a, a bit loopy. It lo- loses people just for the imagery, but then also, like, you know, technically, why well, this isn't a film podcast and no one should care about this, in my opinion, I'm fucking, like, waxing. But, like, technically, like, it felt like the movie didn't know where it was going. Like, at a certain mm-hmm. point, like, when they were discovering, when they're finally finding, you know, their friend kind of toward the climax, like, they're using, like, really 70s zoomy camera styling and very wacky, like, theming. But it's also a very, like, emotionally intense part of the movie. You know, the identity yeah. was kind of all over the place. And I think even made someone like me who's really forgivable. Uh, to that kind of stuff was like, all right, okay, what are we doing? Right. Uh, yeah, man, I, I kind of feel the same way about it. I, I saw it and I love Kevin Smith and I, I listen to his podcast. And I, 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 I am the type of person that if someone says, listen, this is going to be out there, but you're just going to have to trust me. You're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. Uh, I, I appreciate that, you know, cause I want you to make what you want to make. doesn't mean I'm going to like it, but, uh, so I, I like that. That's what Kevin Smith did with this. You know, he said that, you know, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I want to make the movie I want to make. Uh, I didn't like it <laughs> like almost at all. I, I, I was lost a lot and I found the, the character building, not great i i didn't really care about a lot of the characters towards the the climax of the movie i was like i I don't really give a shit you didn't really make me care about these characters so uh i i wasn't a huge fan of it i will still see i think there's another one coming out right the third one after because they did tusk then yoga hosers and then there's another one coming out too have you seen yoga hosers no yeah now i gotta see yoga hosers i i I have not i have not watched yoga hosers yet either but uh i I know that technically there's like a trilogy that's Mm. supposed to happen with that so i don't know all the crossover characters or whatever but so it'll interesting but uh yeah oh i did not really enjoy tusk so i was interested to hear what you thought about it yeah man i'm a kevin smith fan of course like my favorites being um all rats for sentimental uh, sure. reasons but Cl- 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 clerks is probably the best but uh clerks is amazing clerks 2 is amazing dogma is amazing yeah. like he's he's got so many good movies can i tell you real quick my uh, the last movie that i watched dude? yeah yeah what'd you watch last night i watched logan lucky 
Okay. Uh, Logan Lucky is a Steven Soderbergh movie, guy who made all the Oceans movies. Right. Yeah. Soderbergh. And uh, and uh, so it's a it's a heist movie set in West Virginia. So it's essentially like Hillbilly Oceans Eleven. It's awesome. It's really, really, really good. It's Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and uh, Daniel Craig, and there's a lot of other bit parts. Hillary Swank shows up. Uh, there's a couple of the character actors who are really good, but dude, it's a a great time. Absolutely hilarious. Channing Tatum kills it. He's very funny. Uh, very, very good. Same with Adam Driver. I I highly recommend it. Logan Lucky. Now I'm gonna see that because I actually heard a film podcast and a guy I like on that uh, was was talking highly of it too. So if you're saying Good things as well. I'm definitely going to check out Logan Lucky. The, the only yeah. thing on, on on my docket, and we'll end the movie talk after this, folks. I promise. We're actually going to talk about welterweight wars. I, I promise at some point. Uh, it's a crazy rich Asians. I feel like I have to do. I'm not a you know a, an ethnic person, but I feel like I have to do my due diligence there. And I heard it's actually good. What's up, dude? I it, it's got 100 percent of Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's yeah. it's going to be awesome. Like it, it's got so many people that I love in it, like actors that I really really like. Uh, I am excited. I really want to see that. And I am not an Asian person, but I think it's important that there is a movie that is projected to do really well that is an all Asian cast. I think that is awesome. Yeah, we get we get uh, quietly whitewashed the most. Which uh, just <laughs> yes. one last which one last note on Star Wars, by the way. I hate that they they, they they all traditionally treat fucking Asian characters terrible. Like in the new episodes, they were like, "We are the Banker Clan." I'm like, "Oh, really? We're the <laughs> fucking Banker Clan?" Like and, yeah. and like when you're just thinking about the origin, by the way, like uh, a fucking uh, pudgy fuck. What's his name? Lucas with squinty eyes. Uh, fucking stole from Akira Kurosawa the Seven Fucking Samurai, and he sold like yeah. the, the dogma of the Samurai for the Jedi. Like, everything is ripped off from yeah. Asians, and, oh, yeah. and the yeah. Asians get like the shittiest roles in their fucking movies. Like, in The Last Jedi, they had, the, they had fucking, essentially, they had fucking um, chubby short round for like, they're like uh, the female version of short round. Like, me, oh, like, oh, like, okay, like, almost like getting notes, like, okay, no matter what the action is, make the very surprised Asian look on your face. Oh, like, I, I was just like, as a fellow oh, Asian, God. I was like, no, stop, just stop, please. I'm sorry. And then, Jordan, was it Rogue One or was it um, the other one before that, the Force Awakens where, again, like, because another thing with The Last Jedi is that they keep doing tropes, like, they, they did the, uh, they revisit the fucking Empire Strikes Back trip where we're pinned down and Darth Vader, yeah. you know, invades in the, you know, it was salty instead of snowy, but, you know, there was a lot of dynamics where they keep pulling the same scenes, right? And it was one where there we need a schematic for to, to take down the superior ship. Like it was like the eleventeenth time we've seen that one, and it was the most fucking obvious one where they're in that typical command room, right? And there, mm -hmm. there's like I think there's some like command lady, of course, like over them. It's just like, oh, we need to someone needs to. And literally, like an Asian dude walks by, like like catching wind, like oh, you guys, oh that thing, yeah, I got the schematic right here. Literally, like pulls it out, like. He's the tech guy. Come and on. Like, and, like, they go, oh, my God, the schematic. And they, didn't, they never explain it. Like, the whole scene was, was made to explain how that schematic came about. And it, they don't explain it. The dude doesn't even get credit. She's like, here, the schematic. And I'm just like, oh. Get the fuck out of here. Like, what about the guy? <laughs> I, mean, I want to know about the guy, you know? Because at least in, like, the first one, I think it was, they're like, they're like, Seven soldiers were sodomized to get this thing. Like we, we went through a lot. Like they were like, you know, they, they didn't say that, but you know, they, they said something. Like you know, they. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm. No, you're fine. Two, just two quick points. Yeah. Donnie Yen was awesome in Rogue One. He was actually the best part of the movie, I think, outside yeah, Donnie of Yen. Darth Vader. Yeah, he was fucking dope. Uh, but he's awesome in everything. And then also, speaking of crazy rich Asians, Constance Wu is a smoke show and should be a leading woman. She is awesome. <sighs> If anyone ever watches uh, Fresh Off the Boat on ABC, hilarious yeah, great, show. Great She's show. Awesome. 
Great show, great yeah. show. She's the she plays the mom. She's awesome. All right, sorry for those random tangents. I think that was about yeah, it was about a good fifteen or so minutes movie tangent for for our audience. All right, we're gonna get into top fives though. Uh, it was actually it was a film podcast, uh, Film Vault. Shout out the Film Vault um, because that they are where I, I got this stuff from. Everyone uses top five, so there's no real real commercial thing on it, thankfully. <laughs> but uh, but no uh, credit where credits due. The Film Vault is what kind of inspired me to do these uh, podcasts. And today's one is top five world to great wars. Where Jordan. Tell me if you sentiment on this. We're kind of talking about it. I went from loving this list to slowly hating it in the end because I had to pick five. Uh, same boat, man. When when we decided on this topic, I was like, "This is amazing." There's so like you know, I had a bunch floating to my head. I was like, "Oh, it's going to be hard to pare down." But then when I actually sat down and the the way I go through and make these lists is I go through and I write the ones that I first think of off the top of my head down, and then I do a little research. So I'll pull it up and I'll be like, you know, "Oh, I did forget about that one. I forgot about that one." And when I did that, like off the top of my head, I think of I I thought of like ten. And then I was like, I don't even know if I need to do research, but I did, and I looked it up, and I found like ten more that were like some of them were better than the ones I had even thought of. So I was like, oh my god, dude, this is going to be awful paring this down to five. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think when I texted you this morning, I think I, I I finally got a whole page of notes down to seven, <laughs> and that wasn't even like that wasn't even like uh, hipster picks. Like I I'm going to be straight up with you. Like without and this isn't spoiling anything for the audience, but uh. There's going to be a uh, – the hipster maybe seem turned down on my list just because of what we're saying here, folks. So um, both me and Jordan, would I would argue, we may even be looking forward to just as much, if not maybe more, to the honorable mentions. Uh, yours as well, of course, but is that, is, that, is, that, is that fair to say, Jordan? Yeah, man, because I mean the, like we were saying, it's so hard to pare down to five. But the, so, so we're going to leave – in my case, like twelve to fifteen great fights off off the the list. Yes, yeah, no, 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 no way to win there. But uh, you know what? Let's let's just let's just start from the top. Uh, I guess I guess I'll I'll lead us off. Is that cool? Yeah, sounds good, man. And and again, here, there's no no right or wrong answers. Of course, you know the you know even though there's a lot of alliteration in these titles, you know, welterweight wars. Um, there is no wrong answer with the topic choice and then the format of the show, sure. That being said, maybe one-sided washings might not appear on this list. You know, a war does, does certainly kind of indicate that two people were involved. And, man, it felt like it was a war of, like, 15 people, if I'm trying to narrow down who came to my number five spot, Jordan. I'm sure you're, you had a similar yeah. – this was probably one of your tougher spots to fill, too. Um, I ended up with going with with with, with the classic though. I, I I couldn't get wrong. This was this was you know you didn't have the title stakes. They didn't have the crazy narrative. It wasn't uh, the rematch. It was just a damn good fight and probably at, at the right time at the right place. It, you know it was it was a fight night. Uh, it was a it was a fight night card when fight night cards really you know had that quiet boom. They were still stacked and they came in you know. Uh, they filled they they filled you you know your time right before the pay per view and, and this was in Ohio in Matt Brown's hometown. Now we're gonna have a lot of crossover on this list for the mm-hmm. folks listening. So Jordan, feel free to to jump in here. Uh, but Matt Brown versus Eric Silva, of course, UFC Fight Night Forty that happened on March tenth, twenty fourteen. Jordan, is this one on your list? Uh, it's it's it got cut at the last minute. Yeah. So this one is an honorable mention of mine. Okay, cool. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll, I'll let you tag team on this one, nonetheless, of course. But, but I, I had to put this one on my list because, you know, to be honest, one of my favorite Matt Brown fights was actually Jordan Mean versus Matt Brown. He was a plus mm. two eighty five dog in that fight. 
and Matt Brown gets hit with one of my favorite punches, and Jordan Means, one of the best guys at throwing it, the left digging left hook, the shoveling left hook to the liver, and he sits Matt down, Matt Brown down to what would be kind of a familiar scene, as as we got familiar with Matt Brown's career getting dropped by body shots, right? But it was kind of a shorter version of this fight with Eric Silva because you know Matt Brown would come back in that Jordan Mean fight, um, and in the second round, toward the end of the first round, and in the second round he just beats him down against the cage with those yeah. those brutal those downward elbows. Just you know the fight was already over, but it's those downward elbows at the end when Mean was just defeated and tired and crumpled that that burn in my head. But you go look at Eric Silva, and Matt Brown, and you kind of have the longer version of that where Eric Silva hurt Matt Brown of the body, I think, at least three times in the yeah. stand of the first two rounds. Uh, dropping him real badly, I think, in like the first 30 seconds of the fight to where yeah. you, the Ohio crowd, which is ruckus and really didn't get it due to UFC 203, but it's the same crowd. They were going loud, and you could almost hear him like a toned excitement, you know, because Eric Silva not just gets him down with a body shot, then takes his back. And Eric Silva was obviously was more dangerous submissions than he was... Uh, 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 then he was strikes, and Matt Brown was an underdog of that fight. He was actually not not as big, not a two eighty five like to mean, but he was a plus one eighty five underdog going into that fight. And of course, Matt Brown rallies, has some left repeated left hands, like uh, you know, just levering left hands of the body into the head, left hooks, and, and of course, as we know, comes back. But uh, and I believe also John Anik said this is one of his favorite fights still to this day that he, he yeah. called. I don't want to quote him on that. I, I do want to ask him that the next time. And I know that ranks high for him, and uh, I, th- I think that bled through the broadcast. And I think you didn't have to be there to really, really feel that fight. So that that earned a number five spot for me. I can't, the, the, the warrior Matt Brown. That's a great fight. Like I said, it was literally on my list till about ten minutes before we started recording, and I, I I switched it out with something else. It's a great fight. It's a it's a it was a frustrating fight because I try to be pretty impartial with with fights because I I've, doing podcasts and stuff. I've met a lot of fighters, and they're they're all nice guys for the most part. And like so so you you don't want to really root for or against anybody. Mm-hmm. But that was a fight where like Silva drops him. Goes to the ground with him. Matt Brown winds up getting the better of the ground exchanges and gets back up. And then Silva drops him again. So my head is like, don't chase him to the ground. He just bested you on the ground when you had his back. Like, just let him stand up and drop him again. Like, you're you're killing him on the feet. Like, what are you doing? And then he he did it like twice. He'd drop him and then he'd go yep. to the ground with him. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? So that was uh that it was such a crazy fight. Matt Brown is indestructible. That dude is is insane. And uh Eric Silva. That is like the perfect fight to epitomize his career, man. So much potential can go out and probably has the skills to beat anybody, but just the fight IQ is not there. You know what I mean? It, the whole package never, never really came came to be for Eric Silva because when he came in, I mean, you you were you were obviously in the in the fight game at this point, like at least watching it and being right, yeah, a yeah. big fan. When Eric Silva came in, that's some of the most hype that I can remember. You know, obviously it's not Conor Conor McGregor level, but like people were like, this dude is on a championship track. Like four or five fights from now, he will be the champ. Oh yeah, even before he came in, like his first fight, the hype was already there. They were talking yeah. up in the broadcast and everything. You you you're absolutely correct. And I'm trying to look here if the John Fitch fight happened before or after. But that was a I, I credit that war, which was a war itself, and this one with Matt Brown. I think those really well, the Dong Young Kim fight as well. That that run really oh, yeah. just changed his fucking career trajectory, man. What a tough three fight stretch, man. Holy shit. And that's where the hype gets you in trouble, you know, and that's why, you know, it, I, I almost get you know angry when I see these matchups, not because oh this guy's getting hyped and he's getting the you know which is I, I get why other fighters would get mad at that, but for me it's 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 because I care about the fighter. It sounds like I I yeah. hate these these hype these young athletic hype trains, but if they're not ready, 
and they get pushed because something you know we, we've noticed here that the, the especially nowadays the, the matchmaking man it's it's the schedule's already working against these guys to get lost where they can have it's great to have these podcasts where we're talking about these wars because you know the schedule's enough to make it get lost you know a lot of these fights we're going to talk about that i believe if they happen now the sad part is they wouldn't be as impactful because we already have the next card yeah. next week and that's a fucking right. sad part of it but another part is no you're right we're yeah. seeing young guys like I- i'm actually not too excited about the bohachinia romero matchup you know what i'm saying like certain matchups yeah. where it's like dude a little too soon it'd be like the, the uh, frankie yair like it's not like i was hating on yair but i was like no because i knew that was going to happen I'm like, right. yeah. so this is a terrible fucking matchup for the kid Right. And, uh, you know, look what happened and, and this argument that it's kind of messed with them since, you know. So anyway, sorry, side tangent. But no, that's, it's a good point, man. I, I totally agree. Like, I remember, you know, in this I don't feel like this is being pretentious, but like, you know, I remember back when you didn't know when the next card was. They didn't announce them that far ahead. It yeah. was like sometimes you would get to the point where it's like, OK, yeah, this card is in May and then this card is in uh, June. And then they didn't know after that. Like, that was it. That was all that was planned. They weren't announcing, we're going to be there in six months. We're going to be in Buffalo in six months, and we're going to be in, you know, uh, Orlando the month after that. Like, they, they didn't do that. They announced, like, like one card ahead. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, yeah, anyways. But, uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my number five, and uh, you're number five, sir. I, I imagine there was a lot, a, lot, a lot of competition for the spot. Oh, absolutely, man. This one, it, 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 like I said, it came on at the last moment. Um, it replaced uh, uh, Matt Brown versus Eric Silva. And it's a fight that uh, was kind of one of those young guys versus an established veteran, and it wound up being an absolute war. And that was back at UFC 115 when a 20-year-old Rory McDonald oh, took yes. on Carlos Condit and beat him for about two rounds and two minutes. And then Carlos Condit... Uh, turned it into natural born killer mode and absolutely mauled Rory that last three minutes. So if you guys haven't seen the fight, it's a place at UFC 115. Uh, Rory, 20 years old, I think this is his second, maybe third fight in the UFC, fighting Carlos Condit and came out and dominated the first round. Dropped Carlos, uh, hit him with some real heavy knees in the clinch, took him down twice, uh, and I think it really took Carlos back. And I think everyone was like, all right, well, second round, Carlos will come out. Rory whooped him the second round too. He was up easy 2-0 going into that third round and started out the third round strong and then Condit just I mean he's Condit and Rory started to fade a little bit he was young I think he blew his gas tank a little bit and man I remember so the fight ends with seven seconds to go it's it's an official TKO at 453 of the third round and I remember a lot of people being really mad because Rory if that that had gone to us Mm -hmm. uh, a decision was going to win he was going to win that decision but man I rewatched that fight today Dan and he took so much damage that last like minute and a half as a 20 year old that i i was i remember being kind of mad about it at the time because i was like how are you going to take that away from the kid and rogan was mad listening to the commentary rogan's like oh man you can't stop the fight now but man rory took about 17 elbows to the side of the head in a row and he was still coherent but like his eye had swollen up he had broke his orbital and like it, it, it was a good stoppage but that fight was insane because it was it was a close but rory was winning and then that last three minutes just epitomizes carlos condit just Absolutely will not be beaten. Uh, did everything he could to, to get that fight where he wanted to and, and just manhandled Rory the last three minutes. And what a freaking fight that was. Yeah, man. I say, I, I, I say it all the time. Third round Carlos Condit. Uh, you you know, even the fights where he lost, like George St. Pierre, he hits that head kick in the third. Yep. Something about that third round, that dude fucking comes alive, man. It's it's scary. And I remember watching that and then thinking the same thing. But what sold it for me, and I went back to watch this one too for this for this. Uh, uh, and this was up there in my honorable mention, so I'm glad this made a list. 
uh, was the the orbital swelling, like you said, the orbital swelling and the look in Rory's eyes, where it's the the look where the guys they're they're awake, but they look like they just washed ashore. Yeah, and yeah. he looked like he just washed ashore, and he wasn't contesting it. So you know no. it was a good stoppage. You're like that was actually yeah. a really good stoppage, considering you know the Canada hometown so close. Right. Again, it's not the ref's job to pay attention to the scorecards or the time. It's the yeah. condition of the fighter, and that's that that's a good example uh, of that rule, I think. Yep. No, it was. And, and that was, uh, for a lot of people, uh, the introduction to Rory McDonald and man, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few people on this list that I think we're going to hear. I think we're going to hear Matt Brown a few times. I think we're going to hear Rory McDonald a few times. I think we're going to hear Carlos Conant a few times. Yeah. Like there's, there's some of these guys, man, they're just wired differently and they just, they don't, they don't go out there to, to win a decision. They just don't, they go out there to, to, to fight. And, uh, and that was one where it was like, holy crap, man, this not only is Conda a beast, but this 20 year old Roy McDonald is going to be a problem. Yeah. That was my first introduction to him. That was another guy like we were just talking about hype just from stepping on the scene. He already, you know, Roy McDonald was already getting that treatment and it wasn't from a George St. Pierre rub. He was, this was a Toshido MMA, Rory, you know, he had David right? Lee in his corner. West coast. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this was, I mean, but, but Rory already had that reputation, man. Like you said, that's great pick, man. Great, uh, great pick. Just really fantastic exchanges because at the end of each round too, it ended with just action happening. Like the front yeah, kick, that to the, front, the, that teep, oh. that teep to the face. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Great pick. All right. Uh, number four. All right, I guess the, 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 we're still me, and we'll, I'll probably I'll probably switch off and let let, let you uh, do, sure. do the last three, depending on when we do this, uh, do our break here. But uh, Jordan, I know I said for a long time now, and I've stuck to it that I was I was going to ban BJ Penn from any of my top five lists. But I'm going to break that rule because, <laughs> in my defense, this is one where BJ Penn is on the losing end. In fact. This is BJ Penn's first uh, first time he's been, w- w- was stopped. When you know, maybe now it wouldn't be a surprise. Sadly, if BJ Penn got in there and got stopped ba- ba- back then, you know, even leather skin, he wasn't he, he didn't get busted open, but he was he was clearly stopped and battered by Matt Hughes in their rematch. And what was Dana White's favorite fight for a while? And Dana White's fight's favorite fight before this was. Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg too, yeah. which had back and forth swings, which I won't get to in case it's on a list. But Dana White changed it uh, to this fight, and in the ring, could not believe was mouthing to Matt Hughes. Says I never was talking to him like he was Anderson Silva again. Just so you get the the, yeah. the time frame. He's I, I know it sounds crazy. He's talking to the, the farm the farm dude. Yes, yes. Yeah. Dana White was talking to the farm dude like he was Anderson Silva. Says I never seen anybody like you because. You know, at this point, George St. Pierre had not beaten him. He was 1-0 with George St. Pierre. And the only guy to beat him and take his title was BJ. And BJ beat him when he was on that five-fight run when they were calling Matt Hughes the most pound-for-pound yeah. best fighter and the more uh, more stronger than anybody uh, that was south of heavyweight. They were saying Matt Hughes was yeah. stronger than. And, and BJ, a lightweight, uh, eating McDonald's training two times a week, beat him. So that was always on Matt Hughes' mind. And Matt Hughes didn't have it easy. He was getting pieced up early. He was, you know, BJ Penn was going into a full split to deny him takedowns. Uh, and then when Matt Hughes finally got him down... It, BJ does that beautiful back take when Matt Hughes, and you yeah. see him baiting it early, just really playing that, that old-school Gracie-style guard, cooking him, knowing what he wants, waiting for it, gets to the back, almost chokes him out, almost does the triangle arm bar, and, and Matt, and and yeah, you know, he he, 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 he probably popped a rib in that sequence or whatever, but BJ didn't have the best gas tank anyways, yeah. and you see Matt Hughes take over the fight, and... Uh, it was just a great performance for Hughes. Whether you know whether you're a fan of the guy or not, you can't deny that's one of the 
Uh, and I think it's, it's an important fight in welterweight history too. We had the George St. Pierre comes out afterwards and goes, "Matt, I'm not impressed with your performance." Yeah, and the whole thing. I mean, it, it was a, you know, it was one of the few. It was you know one of the one of the best walkouts where BJ does the the. Does the, uh, the, the the Israel Kamake with the yeah. uh, Gnarls Barkley walk out and, yep. and McCarthy and everybody let him walk. One of the only guys they let him walk in with a long sleeve shirt all the way up to the stare down. Like they just trust that BJ is going to take. Like the commission just trusts. Yeah, he'll take his shirt off before the fight. It's BJ. Sorry, but, a yeah, there's a lot, a lot of intricacies that I know don't play a part of the war, but it was a war. And it, it makes my list number four. That's a great pick, man. I remember watching that fight, and th- those were the two biggest guys out, like outside of like Liddell and Ortiz. Like those were the two biggest guys in yep. the sport, um, and it was huge. And I, th- where I live, is like forty-five minutes from where Matt Hughes is from, so everyone loves Matt Hughes. But I've always been a BJ Penn fan, so like you know, I'm quietly being like, mm, go BJ, <laughs> but you know, you know, right, you know right, right, Matt, right. Matt, Matt Hughes, uh, dude, that that fight was. That was a a war. That was one of the first times I remember like seeing a fight that was like super back and forth. That was like, man, this is this is crazy. And like knowing that BJ could end it at any any moment, had some real close opportunities to finish it. And Matt Hughes just a you know just a tank of a human, just just walking through everything to get there. And that was a great fight. Randy Couture was the third man in the booth there uh, with yeah. Goldberg and Rogan. And and yeah yeah no no it was and then also you know even though it shouldn't play too much of a context for this list because again we're talking about the war within the cage but you know they did have a trilogy and then you know to see where they are now is kind of taking taking Chuck Liddell's place as the PR guys right like g- traveling around show to show you yeah. know the the the, mo- the motorcycle tandem pick that 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 went viral a couple of years yeah. ago you know I just think it's uh, the, their story is just a great one that uh, I'd be remiss not to have on a list so. Yeah, no, it's a good. It's a great pick, man. That's a very, very good pick. All right, sir. What what is what is your number four? I imagine just as hard as the number five to decide, or what? Yeah, yeah, it was. And this one is, I, I guess I don't know your list, but I think this is the most recent fight that I've got on any of mine, and uh, it was so good. And I hope this isn't just me having recency bias. I but I, I went back and I rewatched it, and holy shit, this this is a war. This probably isn't the most technical fight. This this didn't have any title implications on it. wasn't even on the main card, I don't think. But it's it was a welterweight fight, and it was a fucking war. And that was at UFC 218, Yancey Medeiros and Cowboy Oliveira. Yes, that, that was yes. swanging and banging, man. Those yeah. dudes just beat the bejesus out of each other. And uh, uh, I mean, uh, Medeiros ends up winning it uh, with with a big combo late. But but that was both guys were hurt multiple times in that fight. Both guys were bloodied in the first round and it wound up going longer than that and uh that that was a that was a crazy fight i think that that was like in december of last year and i think that in my eyes it was the best fight of 2017 even though it was right there at the end of it i think that was probably my favorite fight of 2017 and one of my favorite fights in welterweight division history obviously i'm putting it number four but Oliveira is a guy that always shows up and is always game. And this was the fight that kind of introduced a lot of people to, to Medeiros. Uh, even though, like I said, it wasn't on the, uh, it wasn't like a main event or anything like that. And Medeiros had been around for a while. I don't think a lot of people uh, knew about him. And uh, this, this was, this fight kind of went viral after everyone, you know, wins fight of the night. Everyone's talking about how it was insane on Twitter. And uh, so Yancey's obviously getting some step ups now, which is kind of nice because he's a guy that I've been interested in a long time. And I'm sure you too is, you know, he's a Hawaiian guy, but man, that fight was insane. Uh, both those guys always bring it. And it was violence from start to finish. Dude, I'm glad I, I, I will shamefully admit that I forgot. Not <laughs> I forgot about this fight for this for this list. Um, I probably w- w- I'm glad you have it on yours because I still probably w- wouldn't 
have had it just probably because of the recency, you know, because of that, that, that recency bias for me kind of almost works the opposite where I'm like, Ooh, I, I don't know why I feel like if it happened too close, like again, probably because I'm, I'm, I'm even though it has less bearing on this list than others, I'm still admittedly a, a, a big narrative guy. Right. Yeah. But as far as this fight goes, the, this deserves, you can make arguments uh, to be a top three as far as what the definition of a war at welterweight yeah. was. You know what I'm saying? Like when yeah. we're just breaking down as a, a war at welterweight. Fuck. Yes. Uh, one of the most fun fights I watched live where I got the experience of remember when Rogan goes, if you went to the bathroom or you missed that first yeah. one, you fucked up. Or yeah. yeah. we, we actually had a friend coming into the room <laughs> and missing the first round and that happened. Oh, and shit. he just, he listens to that and we just, you, you see him register and go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that fight, both guys were so hurt so many times. It was like, it, it, it felt like, it's one of the only fights that I can remember in recent history that felt like if you took it back to like 2004, it's the same fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's even more impressive when you consider that Medeiros was close to a three to one dog. And I, in my opinion, he should have been. I think I yeah. remember people asking me, I'm like, dude, I'm all, you know me, I'm all for Hawaii. But, you know, if you want my honest analysis on it, I'm, I'm picking Oliver here because he's just a bad matchup. You know, he's yeah. stronger in the clinch. Um, on the- and, and, and he's got uh, he, he hits heavy. He's got a, a, a chin where Medeiros, you can still make the argument that. He could be a bit chinny as far as you know. He recovers well, but he gets rocked. He gets tinged pretty, you know, pretty pretty sure. easily or, or commonly. Maybe that's a lot of it's due to his style, sure. But you know, you know, factoring that in, you're like, man, that war with Francisco Trinaldo. I don't know how that's going to go. Stepping up in weight, you know, facing Alex Oliveira. Like I remember looking up and down that match, and I remember not wanting to say it, but I remember that's like one of the more matches where I'm like, this is probably going to be a more one sided Alex Oliveira yeah. fight. And I was so yeah. happy to be wrong because it was a yeah. war that Madero's his durability got him through. It was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I think that's another one too that you can look at and be like, stop cutting weight. Man, why were you fighting at 55? Yeah. You're such a big dude. Like 70 is clearly the better the be- That dude fought at light heavyweight, didn't he? At one point in his life. Like Madero's is a big dude and he used to be a little chunkier, but like that dude that dude's big and like uh in good shape 70 is where he should be. He should have never been cutting down to 55, man. I think that had uh, the same thing that Poirier had an issue with getting getting dinged at 45, and then he goes up to 55 and he looks like a completely different guy. I think the same thing with Madero's, man. Madero's has looked really good at 70. So I, I think that's just where he should have been the whole time. Yeah, no, that's you're right. This is a great example of that, and I agree with both those with both those samples. Um, and another reason, though, Jordan, I think this could be an argument for a top three is the way that it was finished, where you don't just have the war aspect where you have the back and forth, but it wasn't a, a clean KO finish, which mm-hmm. was a good thing. It was one of those finishes where this is why another reason why I love the liver shot because a liver shot, whether it's a it's a one sided fight or a war or whatever, the liver shot is always kind of the same. It creates the same effect where it's that delayed, yeah. like oh. And you mm-hmm. see someone crumble, and you see their will trying to, to trying to face the other way. Even a solar plexus shot like the Jeremy Stevens Aldo one, and you see yeah. them wanting to, but their body won't let them. And to me, that's like a war, right? You're you're going to every last energy resource is depleted, and yeah. very few times do you get that with liver shots, even alone, much less with some type of damaging shot, you know, um, right. which which I'm sure will, uh, will be in maybe some of the other picks, but it's one of those few ones where it's like, oh, dude, the, the end of that fight where Alex Oliveira is so tough and he, he thinks about it and he's just like, he wants to stay in, but his body is just crumbling away. <laughs> his body's like, fuck you, dude, go down. Out. <laughs> oh, yeah. great, great pick, great pick. 
Uh, let me see where we're at here. You know what? The honorable mentions are going to be long, so if, if it's cool, how about I'll just lead off for number three. We'll take our break. We'll close out the list and, 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 and with honorable mentions for the back half of the show. Sounds good, man. All right. Uh, I'll lead us off then for number three. This one, I have a feeling we're going to have crossover, and you could make an argument for it to be higher on the list, in fact. Um, and to be honest, this was one of the ones that I was almost going to cut off the list just because there was – there was uh, these guys were already represented in other fights on my list, um, and you know there there are some ar- arguments as far as you know the there were some rounds that maybe w- w- were less less action packed. But when I went back and rewatched it, maybe you know it was the commentary that was swaying me. But uh, but man, and it, and it was end imagery of the the fight. But but I, I couldn't I couldn't deny Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit at UFC 195 a spot yeah. on this list. Uh, Jordan, is this one on your list? It's not actually, and it's because of what what you just talked about, man. I I took it off my list because I felt like uh, those guys are both pretty well represented. It was a crazy fight. I mm-hmm. I love the fight, but I do feel like I didn't think that fight was as crazy as some other people seem to. It, it I I think for the mm-hmm. reasons that you said, it, it had moments of insanity, especially the ending. The ending of that fight was nuts. Yeah, yeah, man. But it did have some lulls, man. I I remember like that maybe the first or second round being kind of kind of slow. Uh, I can't. I, I didn't rewatch it. We rewatched that one, but it, it's a great fight nonetheless. I remember being like, "That was a really, really good fight." But uh, it's not on my list. It's definitely on my honorable mentions. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. And again, like I, I that more than the number five spot toward the end, just because these guys were represented, and uh, maybe it might make a sense, uh, you know, later why why I really wanted just a, a really kind of a classic uh, re- representation of. Uh, a list for mine and why I kind of said at the, at the top why I was I was I was going off this, um, and so we'll definitely repay the others. But uh, but but yeah, you were you were right, Jordan. It was round one was really slow, and then I believe it was the end of round two and round three we had some pickup. Yeah, uh, yeah. Condit was finding was finding some momentum, and then uh, Lawler scored a knockdown in round three. Yeah. Uh, and then Condit starts picking it up, and it looks like if you were to look at statistics, round four was was really slow for Lawler. I think he only lands like six shots, but. Condit's kind of pouring it on him, and um, I think what makes that fight was the controversy of the scoring, and yeah. then that fifth round where it was like, the reason why I left off another one that I know is probably going to be on your list, and it deserves to be, uh, for, it's kind of the opposite spectrum of this, but again, it's kind of a focus on the round itself, right? Where right. I feel like, and the reason why I, w- I was going to leave this off the list, where I feel bad, I'm almost talking why, more reasons why I was going to leave it off the list and why it's on. <laughs> But another reason why was because it feels like more appropriate maybe to have it on like you know top five rounds in the fucking sport or at welterweight right um, because it was that that fifth round was just great and I, it was one of the best live experiences as far as just shouting with my friends like uh, just at the TV and um, that, that that image at the end was just there is no better image for a war as far as like we just I, I gave the image of the cowboy Oliveira for your your number four pick right. Like that's a great image as far as the end of a war for a finish, but as far as the yeah. end of a war for a not a finish, I, I don't know what imagery is better than that no, in any, any way. Yeah, yeah, that's like it, it looked like two guys who had been like what it reminded me of was like in uh, in, in wartime, like you've got all this fighting, and like if you go back and like learn or like read about it or, or listen to people speak about it, there were times in war where both sides would come to a truce and be like, we've been fighting constantly for this long for the next two days. We're not going to fight and let's make the truce. 
that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of two guys on opposite sides of like a battle that have been going at it and going at it and going at it. And finally there's a truce for a couple of days and they're just trying to like catch their breath until they know they have to go back and fight more. That's what it, that's really what it reminded me of, you know, arms up, heads kind of hanging. They just, they did everything they could. And, but like the same time, it feels like they know that they're going to go back out there at some point and do it again. You know? Yeah. 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 Very true. And it also kind of punctuated that, you know, you can with the slow rounds, you'd be like, okay, well, there's going to be some regret. Oh, they should have done this. Or they're probably right. even going to say, admit that, yeah, I probably should have stepped on it more. But when you look at it, it was in their defense, really tactical. And as it should have been, I mean, you look at right. the, the rise of both those guys and this fight was like destiny. Like, you know, people were had high right. expectations for a reason. So the fighters expectations, it became very tactical, you know, feeling what weapons they're going and throwing, trying to build off momentum. And Lawler, again, he wasn't just a slugger. I mean, even in his first fight with McDonald, you heard him in his corner. He's like, I took that kick away from him. Watch, I'm going to use it yeah. on him now. And he, he goes, yeah. he goes out there and takes weapons away. So in their defense, it was tactical. And yeah. yeah, they left it out. So it, it was it was tough. I really wanted to take it off, but we'll get to everything. So that's my number three. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good pick. Uh, my number three is probably my most hipstery pick mm. uh, on my list. I've got a couple like on the honorable mentions that are really hipstery, but I and I knew I couldn't good. put them in here. But good. Uh, th- this one is uh, the fight that kind of got robbed of fight of the night because there was another there was another fight on this same card that I think we'll both talk about uh but this is probably my favorite one round fight of all time uh and it was at UFC 189 it was Matt Brown and Tim Means and oh. that that fight like I've never been more hyped up during a one round fight than that it's just from the minute the bell rang those dudes were trying to elbow through each other's skulls like it was nuts they both and and in all honesty till right at the end with the finish tim means was getting the better of that fight tim means was was kind of piecing matt brown up in the clinch and then dude brown is so tricky he uh he hits him with a couple big elbows and then gets that uh that marcelo teen man gets that marcelo garcia uh guillotine and i remember talking to uh 10th planet black belt uh frank barca after after the fight we were we were skyping and talking about it because he's in he's in australia and he was like he was just so hyped up he was so pumped that Matt's uh, the technique that he used to get the, to sink that guillotine in, and he was just going over it with me. He's like, "Oh, look the way he hooks his leg," and you know he gets his palm under here, and like he was explaining, it, and like it just got me more hyped to go back and watch it again. And man, those dudes beat the bejesus out of each other for about three and a half minutes, and then it ends with just a, a picture perfect submission in a fight that two guys were just beating the shit out of each other on the feet, and then it winds up with a picture perfect uh, guillotine, uh, palm to palm guillotine. It was it's just that that fight was out standing and it had it not been for a couple fights later it, it probably was winning fight of the night and that's one of the, it gets lost in people's memories because of the other fights that happened on that huge card 189 man you get some of those obviously i think there's one we're going to talk about but also conor mcgregor fights on that card it's just a massive card and that fight was insane and it's kind of lost the annals of history because of what happened after it yeah, I mean, you just kind of did two picks that did that, right? I mean, and what what is up with MMA that does this? Also, what was it? The Shogun Henderson fight is one chance. Yeah. Alvarez one happens. They all yeah. do this shit. But you, you know, so I'm glad you're giving the more underdogs of the picks, like the Maderos Oliveira, more credit because yeah. I, I I don't want to say I liked one more because you feel like you're insulting one the other, but I like that that one more than the other fight that happened. And, and same with and, and and well maybe not same with this one we'll, we'll get to that but like it th- this one was great because it sparked off the momentum for what's one of the great considered the greatest main cards right 
Or this one, even though yeah. it's forgotten, it's also kind of included, I would argue, in that main card because people all say, oh, but it was, that main card was sparked off by Brown vs. Means. At yeah. least the hardcores know that, that that's what, what, that's true. what, what yeah. fire started that momentum of 189. So, so much, so much tie-ins with this fight, you know, uh, for just being a one-round war. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I think that um, I'm trying to trying to look at it there. Yeah, that's the one that that was. I think was it the last fight on the prelims? Is that what it was? That's what yep. led us into the to the yeah. main card. Yep. Yeah, yep. And man, it was, <laughs> dude. That that fight was crazy because the three fights before that had been good, but they were all they were lulls. Man, it was like we had. Um, Two decisions on the yeah. fight pass card, and they were good fights, but they were they were dominant. And then the three fights leading up to on the Fox Sports One card is like Garbrandt looked good, got a win. Uh, John Howard and Cajal Pendred had a just a dog shit fight. That right. fight sucked. Yeah. Uh, Alex Garcia beats Mike Swick in a pretty uneventful fight, just a wrestling clinic. Yep. And then everyone's like, this is supposed to be the one of the biggest cards ever. You know, McGregor and Mendez are about to fight, and uh, and then you're like kind of kind of bummed about it. And then Matt Brown and Tim Means go to absolute war and the rest of the, the main card comes on. It is just nuts Two fucking and, an ex heroin addict and an ex meth head, just fucking scrapping for their lives. <laughs> right. Exactly. Man. Two really? dudes with real checkered pass who They're probably che- look like if shit, if shit hadn't panned out, they probably might've been doing this, you know, in the pen, like out on the yard, like these, the same fight would happen. So, yeah. Just nuts. Tim means was like shot. Like Matt Brown yeah. died and came back yeah. to life. <laughs> yeah, those dudes are scrappy. Like those those dudes are fucking real, man. Like he's called the Dirty Bird because he spent time in prison and like elongated his sentence by fucking dudes up in there. Like I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that fight was that fight was awesome. I love uh, and and the thing was going into it too is I'm a big Tim Means fan. I Me like too. watching that Me guy. too. Underrated. Yeah. So big, big. I love watching Tim Means fight and Matt Brown is always always fun to fight and like i i remember even listening to rogan rogan was like man that means brown fight is gonna be nuts and it, it was man that fight was fucking nuts and that whole card that whole main card wound up being nuts but uh i i love 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 that fight it's my favorite one round fight there's other great one round fights but that's my favorite can i can i before before we go to break i'm, I'm gonna bring up one honorable mention because i'm i'm positive it's not gonna be on your list uh not at, at, just at this point but in general uh, or anybody mm-hmm. i didn't see it pop up on anyone's but it almost – this was my hipster pick. It almost made my number five spot. This is what almost – I was trying to make room for why I almost uh, scrapped Condit versus uh, Lawler. It's because it was – it was a doctor stoppage, which which stopped a lot of uh, – a couple oh, of my picks. And I'll, I'll tell you about that. I'm sure you... – I bet it's on my list. I oh. bet it's on, or on my honorable mentions, not on my – Oh, okay. My cool, list. cool. Yeah. But this, in my opinion, I will say, even though I forgot I, – I not forgot about this one, but like – how much of an elbow war it was because it was the two guys claiming to be the best at elbows and deservedly so. And these guys didn't have that moniker, but as far as an elbow war, this was the first elbow war. In fact, Rogan was flipping out going, I have never seen elbows some of this in a yeah. martial arts fight. And this was fucking Keith was Niski versus fucking Josh mm-hmm. the Dentist Near. It was Dude, it was one, on it was oh, on my honorable mentions. So yes, yeah. yes. Was that not one of the most brutal fights you saw? Even going back revisiting, it still did it for me, but was that not one of the most brutal fights? I mean, like, the, the mouthpiece gets knocked out from both dudes, which was a common thing in a Josh Neer fight, by the way. Ironically, <laughs> yeah. a guy named the Dennis fucking had a tough time yeah. keeping his mouthpiece in. But then I believe he actually knocks Keith out, where it goes under the fucking cage. It's, like, one of the only fights where I've seen where the, the mouthpiece went into the cr- crevasse thing. And, yeah. and I love when all the, all the strange things happen to Big Dan. It's great because he's the – you have the you have his big character – big burly character with the way he kind of answers things like like an innocent kid like i don't know just went into the cage yeah yeah <laughs> like somebody's gonna grab it can somebody go so somebody's under there grabbing it right now 
like it's great. Like he's, 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 he's fucking New Jersey accent. He's talking production through what's going yeah. on while some fucking grip is like sliming under the cage. And like <laughs> these guys are already bleeding all over the place because they had this like some yeah. kind of unspoken agreement to just trade elbows with each other. Literally, that's all they fucking did, right? That, yeah, it was nuts. And, and I remember the my real two cents on that fight. I remember watching it. It please, was insane. Please. And my my mom walked in oh. while that fight was going on, and she was like, "What the hell are you watching?" <laughs> and I was like, "It's usually not this violent." <laughs> I was like, "These guys are trying to fucking kill each other." Like, why go to bed, Tracy? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, dude, that was—I uh, think that was UFC Live. I want to say five. That sounds right. Or some yeah. shit. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, just two Midwest guys, and I love it too because at the end, like, a guy like, like you want to talk about serial killers and that competed in <laughs> MMA top five. Like, Josh Neer yeah. was one, two, and three. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. He's, yeah, and like, especially if you see gym footage of the guy, you, you always heard about the wars, and then you see gym footage of the dude. But like, the, the I love it because you know, I, you know, I. I, I I've been around those dudes and, and known a few few characters, maybe not Josh Neer, but but like that. And the way you get those guys respect is by just going bone to bone and taking a fucking mm-hmm. shelling from them. Just just yeah. like that is no better way to make those guys from a serial killer to your best friend. And it sounds like a stupid trade off, and it ultimately is. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm just saying I get it. And and uh, uh, you know, especially a guy like me is not not, not intimidating. I've, I've had to definitely take my beatings in the gym before some guys like, hey, that Dan Tom, he's he's a nice kid. <laughs> And they they're not they start warming up to you. You know you got to take your beatings first. It's like one of those gym <laughs> things. And you yeah. see it in the fight game, obviously, when guys embrace. But it really comes across in brutal battles with such brutal individuals like a Josh Neer. Because in his post fight, he's like, "Just want to shout out to Keith. I respect that guy a lot, man. He was with yeah. You know, it's like any time that happens when guys just are willing to go to war yeah. with guys like that. It's, no, there's like a handful of guys that I can think of that are that are that type of guy that had so many fights that could have made this list. But yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad you're with me on that honorable mention, mm-hmm. man. That was that was a real close to my number five. But all right, well, on that beat, we are gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna finish off our top five welterweight wars right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. And we're back, right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the top five welterweight wars with special guest Jordan Killian. Jordan, we... I think are on number two, my friend, and uh, I'm turning the steering wheel uh, over to you to take us home uh, on this list. Uh, what do you What do you have for your number two? Sweet man. Um, so my number two was a fight that, in all honesty, I did not watch live. I had to go back and watch it later because it uh, uh, it, it was a strike force uh, strike force fight, and it's a it's a fight that I think most people are going to put on their list because Nick Diaz is so popular, um, and it, it is that strike force event where Nick Diaz fought Paul Daly. Another one round war, absolutely crazy. Um, not a lot of defense to be had in that fight. Just I, I think it fits the criteria of the welterweight war, and. I, I'm not as passionate about this one because I don't have as many like big memories of it. I didn't watch it live. I, you know, I wasn't like uh, I had to go back and watch it later after a buddy was like, "Did you see that fight? That was crazy." I was like, "No, I, I didn't." So I had to go back and like, 
you know, find it online and, and, and watch it that way. And it is, it's obviously an insane fight. Uh, Nick, Nick Diaz has been in quite a few crazy fights. Paul Daly is always good for a, for a fight. How about, uh, Paul Daly? Did anyone see his knockout? He had, I think it was last year, that flying knee that he hit on that Brennan Ward kid. Oh yeah. That that? Was, oh. Dude, that was, that was one of the prettiest flying knees I've ever seen. I was like, Oh, he still and, got it. Yeah, Paul Daly can still bang, man. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what uh, what him and, and uh, oh, Michael Page looks yeah. like. It's a good fight, uh, but man, Diaz Daly, I, I I'm not going to talk about it a ton, like I said, because I don't I don't like with most of these fights, I remember watching them and I remember how I felt, and this one I didn't I didn't watch live, so I didn't have a ton, I had to go back and watch it later, and it's it's obviously a crazy war. I think it's going to be on most people's lists and maybe on your list, Dan. I know I know. Uh, I saw some of the tweets coming in when when you announced the topic, and it was on a couple lists. So uh, it's a it's a great fight, man. It's another one of those one rounders where it di- didn't last long, but it was absolutely nuts while it lasted. You know, I'm not against. I don't have any one rounders on here, not because I'm against it uh, by any means, but yeah, I, I, I guess if you were again, no no wrong answers here. But like you said, if you're looking at a war, maybe it gets a little more. I don't want to say controversial, but you know, sure. it, you got a lot to live up to if you want to make the list with just one round, right? But this yeah. used literally every second of that round up to the yeah. up to the end, yeah. and yeah. this is this I would argue is uh, by the way it almost made my list too. It was it was that great of a pick, but it, I would argue probably is the best one round uh, welterweight sure. war. And uh, and yeah, man, this was great. I mean, even from the build up, like you know what you know, an idea came up to me when I was doing this list, Jordan, and, and it's, it's apropos to to this pick uh, for Nick Diaz and this point of time in his career. Where I was thinking of other angles on how to uh, tackle divisions, which may be a hint, hint for the next division, because you could only do, uh, you know, you start running into things, you know, if you did the best of this division, the best of that division, that's great, and I'll eventually probably get around to that, like, like bantamweight battles, top five bantamweight <laughs> battles is probably the next <laughs> one I want to do. Oh, I am just tingling all over all different divisions. That's gonna you got like three from. of them right oh, off my head. Oh, <laughs> I know bantamweight just insane, right? So I'll probably do this, but but an- another angle to attack it is a. Uh, you know, like for example, uh, you know, top five win- uh, welterweight winning streaks, and oh, well, that's great idea. And yeah. because it's great, because you got guys like I think Matt Brown and Mike Pyle, their winning streaks kind of yeah. crossed over, and it was great because they were like, you can give shine to like guys who unlikely guys who maybe they didn't make it, and like- it, it was crushing and poetic, but they had that that fucking run, you know, that they weren't yeah. supposed to have, and they had it. And Nick yeah. Diaz's run right in this time, right, was just amazing. You know, you had so many highlights made of it. Evangelista Cyborg, the war with Noons and their rematch. Oh, dude, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, there was just so much uh, lead up. And then the lead up with just, you know, the pushing and shoving with Daly leading up to this. And it was just a great back and forth fight. One of my favorites is um, Nick Diaz gets hit with the, the left hook that, that you just <laughs> didn't want. You just didn't want anything. Uh, anybody w- wanted nothing of, right? No. And he, he goes clean. Yeah, and he goes down like he almost drops dead for a second. Like, and is he done? And then he comes up like like a snake, like you know the the Indian you know, cartoons mm-hmm. where they're playing the flute, and then the snake comes out of the basket and starts weaving yeah. up. And that was Nick Diaz. He starts kind of snaking up. He had a and, blunt in his mouth. Yeah, so he's lighting <laughs> the blunt while Paul Daly's throwing follow up <laughs> punches. Dan, that didn't happen. And uh, and it was great. And and by the way, um, Anthony Smith kind of did a similar move to Hector Lombard in their fight when he gets mm-hmm. dropped by Hector is a very it, I don't know if that was a, a purposeful nod to Nick Diaz the strike force brethren there but but yeah um and then afterwards they had a, I believe there was like a viral video I don't know if, if that rings anything with you Jordan where like they were making up in a hotel room like respect yeah, respect yeah uh, maybe not maybe maybe Daly was still contesting it but it was it was it was just a cool it was it was it was a, it was a, it was a cool little uh I think I saw something from them like uh, going to the hospital after the fight like in the ambulance or something like that 
like uh like took a picture together like some i it, maybe i'm confusing that for another fight but yeah dude the, it, the fight was nuts it, and like you said it took up the every second that was the first time that paul daly hit somebody clean and didn't knock him out uh which was kind of crazy and is a testament to to nick mm-hmm. diaz's chin because not many guys are taking that shot and not going out um and then that also that this fight also is exemplary example of <laughs> exemplary example look at that. Yeah. uh <laughs> it's a great example of uh Power versus, you know, uh, precision. Because not that Daly isn't precise, but Daly was throwing some winging bombs and missing a lot of them, but landing a few. And Diaz was throwing everything at about 70%, 60%, and he was landing everything. And uh, really worked the body, too. And that you can see how that paid dividends for him. Even, you know, a lot of times, uh, Teddy Atlas, who's maybe my favorite commentator of all time. Yeah, and he, oh yeah. He's the, he's the best. Teddy Atlas is the best. Awesome, man. But the, the way he the way he talks about, you know, if you want to build a house, you got to start with the foundation. And, you know, you go to the body and you're putting, the, you're, you're throwing stuff in the bank, you're putting stuff in the bank, and then later in the 10th and the 12th round, you can go cash that in. Yep. But this was a fight where Nick Diaz started putting stuff in the bank about 15 seconds into the fight, and then about four and a half minutes into the fight, he decided to cash in. <laughs> and all those, those hooks to the body, man, he probably hit daily with 15 20 clean hooks to the body in that first round and it just wore him out man daly was just dead and he had thrown a lot of punches too and and that combination is just you're not going to last more than you know a round if you're getting hit with that many clean body shots and throwing big big shots yourself you're right you're so i love the references there you're so right and that's uh one of my favorite things about nick diaz's game was just his body work and uh what you said right there was uh you know we just spoke about josh near uh josh near versus nick diaz at ufc 62 mm-hmm. that was a that was a barn burner of a three-round fight and if you remember they were both throwing and exchanging but nick diaz was just going to the body on near yeah. uh, who was you know it, it wasn't stopped at, uh, at that time you know no, no one stopped near yet he was uh, he was still that marauding come forward dude but it was it was body work kind of like eddie alvarez preached uh Against uh, Justin Gaethje, where you know Alvarez, I don't know if he realizes he's as good of an analyst as he is because he's talking about it. Where he goes, well, uh, I had all my training partners come at me aggressively because I knew that that's what Gaethje just relentlessly does. And in mm-hmm. that process, I had to find out how to get my breaks somewhere and how to stop these guys because they're rotating fresh guys in on me. And body shots was the only way I could equalize the gas tanks and stop yeah. the pressure. And he's just like, yeah. oh shit, oh okay. And not enough guys, you know, before. I mean, I remember even being, like, in, in mixed martial arts gyms. And this is real apropos because was it – again, all these damn cards bleed together. The problem we were just speaking of, Jordan. But wasn't this last one – or no, no, it was – Calgary was the card of the body shots, right? Where we yeah. just saw body shots over and over again. Where I think I tweeted, like, you have to, like, watch guys like Nick Diaz or, like, Mark Hominick, Yves Jabouin, kind of, like, lighterweight technical guys. Like, just to get a fucking – some semblance of body work in a fight because even in gyms they were teaching and, and really good gyms. I, I remember hearing this instruction because it was just, it was the time. It wasn't against them. It was, yeah, body shots are great in boxing, but it's high risk, high reward. You're going to change your level and throw a jab to the body. There's knees, there's front kicks. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Anderson Silva front kicking people in the face. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, I'll stay away from that. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the way out, all the way in. And, uh, you know, it got lost for a while. Now we're seeing it finally come into play in MMA, you know, and showing how young our sport is. So side tangent. To, but. No, no, I love that tangent. I Dude, body work is my favorite. Obviously, Boss Rutan has a has a reason behind me liking body work so much so I can scream liver shot. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, real quick, one of my favorite one of my favorite liver shots or body shot finishes ever was uh, Machida throwing that round kick to CB Dalloway. Man, oh, it was just great. Oh, it's so beautiful. Like, the perfect, perfect body shot. Uh, but then also, just real quick, the reason we're such good friends, Dan, is you just made an Eve Joe Wayne reference, and I love it. Yeah, you know what's up. <laughs> yeah, fuck again, yeah, dude. Again, Bantamweight 
battles. I don't know that that'll be down the road. That'll be down the road. Um, but this one uh, again. Spe- speaking of me, kind of tipping my hand. This is probably my most hipster pick, Jordan. My number two. But it probably shouldn't be a surprise to you or people listening because I, I bring up this fight all the time. Um, but it's not it's not it's not as known of the Carlos Condit repertoire. And I just had one where Carlos Condit lost, even though some people felt he won against Robbie Lawler. Uh, Robbie Lawler successfully defended at 195, but. At WEC 35, Carlos Ooh, Condit shit. was the one that successfully defended against Hiro Mitsumira. Is this, is, is this one uh, it's on? It's on my honorable mention. That okay, fight cool. was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was. It was one of my favorite. Like another another angle I thought of, like top five WEC fights, top five pride fights. Like mm-hmm. this would be if we did a top five WEC fights, this would make that list. Like regardless yeah. of weight class. Oh, in other absolutely. Words. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just great. Uh, Condit's grandmother, you know. Uh, this wasn't great. Carnage's grandmother died about two or three days before the fight. So, he, why are you oh laughing at God. that, Jordan? Because she goes, "This, this is great. fight was great." Carnage's grandmother died before the fight. That was a great leadoff, Dan. So my favorite part was when Carlos's grandma died. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go he's, ahead. He's holding back tears in the pre-fight press. No, yeah. but he's going in with a heavy heart. And Carlos Condit's not one to get, you know, he's got, he's going to be suspect of slow starts and takedowns anyway. So, I mean, he had those uphills battles going in, but knowing he had a heavy heart and to pull deep. Because you got to remember, Condit was dispatching guys. Like, most of his, his his tough fights happened at, like, Rumble in the Rock where he was upsetting guys like Frank Trigg and catching them in, like, triangle chokes, right? He goes over to the WEC, and he's he, he's fairly getting by in, like, the first or second round, submitting guys, right? Working guys in the clinch. But this is the one where he really got pushed. Um, first time, I believe, in the championship rounds as well, uh, I want to say. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, and, and, and like, here in Mitsumira, people don't know, he was, he's your prototypical Japanese fighter. He was a, he was a black belt judoka who's strong base, durable, heavy hands, could box, and was just the Japanese honey badger. He just came at you. He was punching yep. in the clinch. He was punching at range. And when he took you down, he was going to work with, with heavy ground and pound. And he just didn't fucking stop. Uh, he would take breaks to breathe. Like, Condit would get on top of him. Like, Condit was going through for, for takedowns a lot, even though he was like, getting tossed on his head a lot, because the the forward pressure of Mira. And, and uh, it was just suffocating Condit, who was still developing his kickboxing game at the time. He yeah. was real confident on it, but it really got tested. He was like, oh, crap, uh, boxing range, I'm getting tested here. Between my knees or my kicks at range, there, there's still stuff missing in my in his game at this point. He didn't get the brand. He wasn't working with Brandon Gibson and kind of doing that that evolving yet, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Where he was able to rock Robbie Lawler. Like, he wasn't that yet. And uh, he was getting rocked at boxing range. And just just seeing him, you know, having to fight through tough positions, and he would get them out, and then Mira would just time him, wait, explode, get on top, and uh, it it was just, you know, Condit was locking up arm bars, like it, it, the action just didn't stop. I can't explain. Like there really wasn't a lull. Like a lot of these fights, Jordan. When I went back to watch, by the way, a lot there were like three fights on my list that I for sure thought were going to be on my list and weren't because most of my fights, as great as the list this was, most of when I when I went back were underwhelming. If I were to say, right, most yeah, I, I, I agree, right, and uh, this one was not. This one was just as fucking good. Um, and again, when the guy, like I said, was near giving him respect, and not that Carlos was not a guy that was hard to earn respect. He was a respectful dude, despite being the natural born killer. But again, when you can see how tired a guy is, and he's just like, yeah, he's like, he doesn't even want to take the credit. He's like, God damn, that opponent was tough. 
Like, I love yeah. that. I fucking love when the fight yeah. was so tough that not even the fighter, who needs to be full of piss and vinegar and ego, they're just like, I don't even have that left. But yeah, that guy's fucking tough. Yeah, I guess yeah. I got the W. Yeah, man, that 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 card was really good too. I loved I loved the WEC. I've always been pretty vocal about my love of the WEC, and that that same cart had um, that was when Cantwell knocked out Stan and yes. took the uh, took Upset. took the light the the middleweight or light heavyweight title. I don't remember which one it was and right. what they were fighting at. But, yeah, light heavyweight. But, yeah. Yeah, man, that was it was crazy. I I Fuck. loved the WEC, dude, and wow. I had not heard of Mira before at all. At all, yeah, and uh, and I was like, and I had seen Condit fight, I think once, and so it's 2008, so you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I would think I was 19 years old, and I didn't know as much about MMA as I do now. Obviously, I'd been watching for a little while, but I was like, Condit should smash this guy, like, because this, I think Mira had like a eight and four record or something yeah, like that going yeah, to the fight. Yeah, it wasn't like, he, like anything big. It wasn't like, I was like, how is this dude fighting Carlos Gata? This makes no sense. And it was a war. You're right, man. That was a crazy fight because it was, uh, it was back and forth and it was a lot of that, that fight took place everywhere. And that's one thing that I think is indicative of a war, a fight that is just as equal, no matter where it is in the clinch on the ground, standing up, there was, there was really back and forth everywhere. So that fight was awesome. That's a good pick. And of course, uh, by the way, fourth round, Carlos Condit, when they're both just beat ass tired, like yeah. he was actually losing that round and then just gets up off of a scramble and like lands a, a, a knee that didn't even have a Big lot knee. on it. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah man, uh, I was trying to pull up the odds, see if there's odds on that fight at all. But I got to imagine Miro oh, was a hefty underdog. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, I would guess so. I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I was really too big into to betting at that point. But yeah, oh, I, was, I think he was a. Minus six hundred and eleven favorite, <laughs> Carlos Condit. No, no, Carlos oh, Condit was. Okay. He was yeah. a huge favorite. Yeah. So and that, and that got the fight of the night. But by the way, that night, it got yeah, the fight of the night. that totally makes sense because I, I remember just looking at their records, and obviously records don't mean everything, but they are indicative. And like, I was like, one dude's got like eighteen wins and like four losses, or like three losses, and one dude's like eight and four, eight and five. I'm like, this seems weird. Like, yeah. Why, yeah. Why is this dude fighting for a title? He's got. He's almost got a five hundred record, but you know, I mean, the, man. The, to, uh, fights WC. fights are tough and it's not as yeah WEC it's not as it's not as um uh indicative in MMA as it is in boxing records are yep exactly all right um now number one time I believe huh, huh Jordan number one time I think we may have crossover here Dan I'm not I'm not sure I don't want to I don't want to guess anything on your right. list but this seems to be I mean if I had to say greatest fights of all time this one is in my argument I don't know that it is my number one but it's in it's in the argument. I think I would consider it being my number one fight. And obviously, that's UFC 189, Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler too. Um, yeah. It's got my favorite moment in MMA history. Um, right at the end, I think it was that fourth round. Yep. Uh, where they just kind of neither of them were moving. They were going to stare each other down. Faces full of blood. It's one of the craziest. I think you posted a gif of it on Twitter actually. Yeah, were, yeah. I couldn't help myself. It's 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 so iconic in yeah. that that picture. That the way that man, the UFC should have paid a bonus to those camera guys going into that fifth round when they they focus on Lawler and his lips split up to his cheek, and they cut to Rory and he's just sitting there like I use two types of facial cleaner, one as an exfoliant. Like you know, it's, yes. he's just totally yes. he's totally American psychoing, but he's just got blood streaming down his face, and he looks like he woke up like that. You know what I mean? Like Robert this De Niro, is normal. Robert De Niro from Taxi Driver. Just... From Taxi Driver. That's absolutely what he looks like, man. And I he thought looks he like looked he's... like that coming in. I'm like, oh, he's got the mohawk, like Robert De Niro from Taxi Driver. Little did I know he was 
who's going to take on a new form of that. Yeah, dude, but but that fight is, I mean, so crazy back and forth. Insane fight. It was the best fight of one of the best cards of all time. Uh, it's it's my number one. I felt like almost by default when I went to make this list, I just started there and then put the rest in, uh, because I was like, I know this is going to be my number one. It's not the most technical, but it has a lot of technique in it. Uh, it's not the most brawling, but there were moments of brawling in it. Uh, there was great, uh, ability to adapt and change within the fight on both sides. Um, and probably the, the most, I don't think I've ever felt a final strike more than that last shot that Robbie hits Rory with where his nose is already absolutely obliterated. And you can see he didn't want to go down. He went down like it was a body shot. He didn't get dropped. Like his lights got turned off. He went down. Like my body is in so much physical pain that my legs will not allow me to stand up anymore. And it was like, I, I just felt that in my soul. And uh, I think most people, if you pull most MMA fans, this one's going to be in your top three, uh, where you want to rank that's on you. But I, I, I put this as my number one, Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler too at UFC 189. Dude, yeah, you said it, man. I, I, it, it, you know, regardless of weight class, this could be on easily on the top three, on not not less top five. You know, as far yeah. as fights you've seen. And I couldn't help but put it on my number one as well. Even if I was going like full hipster on this list, this would still be yeah. my number one. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you just you can't deny it. It has everything you want, um, from build up to these guys, both these guys' careers. Because it was it was a, it was a you know even though Roy lost, it, I would still argue this was a pinnacle of his career. This was something yeah, people were waiting yeah. for for a long time. You know, people would talk like you, you. We said earlier in this list, people were talking about this kid challenging for the title when he was first coming on the scene. For Christ's sakes, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you you had all the all these narratives and that, that Robbie Lawler coming out to hold on. Yeah, I'm coming. You know, just the oh, it's great. And then my degenerate ass too was like, I had a bunch of bets from that year. Like my biggest bets, of course, uh, like of all time, probably still was Fabrizio Verdum over Cam Velasquez over like my personal yeah. bankroll that I put out. And I tied a lot of those bets into UFC 189 because I saw that Robbie Lawler was a dog to a guy he had already beaten in Roy McDonald. Right, right. He was an underdog. Yeah. People forget he was the champion. Yeah. He was the underdog to a guy he already beaten. Like that's how strong the the talk was on Roy McDonald. Like, he's finally getting his moment. Nothing stopping it. Even a guy who already beat him. Like this is not happening. And um, so I tied in um, uh, some of my bets into that. So I, I already cashed on the on the on the uh, Verdum part. And this is uh, this is of course this is complete personal uh, for me. Of course, uh, my viewpoint of the fight. Uh, additional impact for me, but so just seeing that happen was like not against you know if anything this fight made me a, a stronger Rory McDonald fan. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't anything against Rory, but oh, when it just happened, like I got I'm not gonna lie, like my degenerate side too was just it, it made the build up so much knowing that there was just you know having that money on the fight. And I hate bringing that in or having that muddy up the list sure. uh, or anything like that. I hope it doesn't come off that way. But if I'm just being honest, you know, for what my on top of because again it's like. I hate having, you know, uh, money tied into the big fights and stuff. And, you know, you notice I won't put, like, a lot of uh, big plays on those bigger fights. Mm-hmm. There's just so many intangibles for one. There's so many yeah. politics going into those lines. You just want to enjoy the card, you know, as a, you know, whether you're a casual or a serious kind of better. But I'm not going to lie. The reason why a lot of people bet on fights is because it, it makes it more exciting. So the fact yeah. that I had some of my biggest stakes on what, again, what you just said, Jordan, for all the reasons you said – 
uh, standing alone, regardless of weight class or any of the other intangibles, is just one of the greatest fights. Kind of like supercharged it for me on steroids, you know? Sure. Where it yeah. was just like, what is yeah. happening? Like, this is the best ever! You know? This is, and then we still have the main event to look, you know, go on that night and, and right. Gregor Mendez. But yeah, and, and again, the finish too, like you just said, the nose. Like, I remember the left hand, Lawler lands before it. He lands a good amount. Like, he found his range with his one twos. Yeah. And he lands a left hand before it. And it looks like. I only caught this on this last watch, Jordan, because it looked like a, just a parry where or a typical rear-handed parry where you're look, looking to catch mm-hmm. what would be a jab, but against the southpaw is there too, their cross. So, too, yeah. But if you look at it, he almost pawed on his nose, but he stops himself and goes, no, I'm I know. staying in this fight. Yeah. <laughs> right? You I saw that too? That. I remember that. I remember watching that. I think the first time I rewatched it, I caught that. I was like, dude, that hurt so bad. He wouldn't even wipe his own nose. Like, <laughs> and then, but, then, but then the second shot comes right after that. And that then yeah. he just goes, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm fucking, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's like his body gave out. Like his mind didn't give up. His body gave out. Great. Yeah. It was, it's, Great pick. It's crazy, man. Jordan, yeah. while I while I collect while I collect uh, the honorable mentions from uh, not the honorable mentions the uh, the the list from uh, social media, you want to just recap your list from five to one for the audience? Yeah, here you go. Just uh, my my number five was UFC 115 Carlos Condit versus Rory McDonald. My number four was UFC 218 Nancy Medeiros versus Cowboy Oliveira. My number three was uh, UFC 189 Tim Means versus Matt Brown. My number two was uh, Strike Force event Nate Diaz or uh, Nick Diaz. Sorry, not Nate Diaz. Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly and UFC 189 number one Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler too. Awesome, awesome. All right, my number five was Matt Brown versus Eric Silva. Uh, my number four was Matt Hughes versus BJ Penn 2. My number three, Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit. Number two, Carlos Condit versus Hiro Mitsumira. And number one, Robbie Lawler versus, of course, Roy McDonald 2, uh, along with you. Um, on Twitter, <coughs> uh, follow us, by the way, at the PYM Podcast, if you're not already, to contribute. Uh, contributor, Andrew Millington to the show. Uh, good old Andrew friend on twitter there at andrew millington says number five matt brown eric silva okay wow all right he's with me at number five number four uh robbie Lawler versus carlos condit made his list number three he's with you jordan he's got nick diaz versus paul daly number two uh matt hughes versus frank trigg uh Sounds good fight. i'm guessing one or two but they were you they were both good fights uh very yeah. similar but both good and number one he's with us there Roar, robbie Lawler versus rory mcdonald too uh, gonna go over to Instagram. Instagram, easy thing is you can find us at the same place there, at the PYN Podcast. Give us some follows there, because uh, I w- will take, I'm getting better about the posts there. I will take, uh, make posts just for, not just notifying you that there's a new podcast, but to get your feedback. Um, Mondo Dondo one <laughs> jumped in on some feedback on, on Instagram, uh, in order. He has Lawler McDonald. Uh, I'm guessing five to one or one to five. Okay, either way, he has Lawler McDonald. Then he has Lawler Condit, Diaz Daly, Hughes Trig one. Very very similar to Andrew Millington's list hmm. here. Yeah. And but he has one we haven't talked about or I've seen. Pete Sell Scott Smith. Oh, that's yeah. a you know I, I I'd have to rewatch the whole fight because I don't remember if the whole fight was award that lap. Obviously, it's iconic. The yes. ending is iconic, but yeah, yeah, iconic comeback, great body shot, of course, yeah. of course there and. uh I'm going to jump to Facebook while I'm pulling that up. Is there a is there an honorable mention that came the closest to your list that you, you're itching to get off get off your, your chest right now? There's a couple of them, man. Basically, any Diego Sanchez fight from 2011 to 2013. I was suspecting you were going to have one of those <laughs> on your list, by the way. Dude, there's so many of the. If I had to pick one of the Diego fights, it'd probably be the Ellenberger fight um, because fight. that that prompted 
the UFC to move to uh, every main event, even if it's a non-title fight, to be five rounds. Because that that one, Dana came out and was like, that should that should be a five-round fight. Like, the fact that that ended after three rounds was a, a, an absolute travesty. If you guys haven't seen that fight, I, I don't even remember what card it was on. I didn't. I didn't uh, UFC on Fuel 1. I did write it down. Uh, San, J, Diego Sanchez, Jake Ellenberger. Ellenberger dominated, like, the first round and a half of that fight and then probably won the first two rounds. Third round, Diego came out, was absolute nightmare mode just running through shots picking elberger up slamming him on his head landing huge ground and pound the fight ends because it's a three-round fight they hadn't switched to the main events being five rounds yet the fight ends with diego just absolutely emptying his gas tank throwing everything he can and uh you know that fight should have gone on to a fourth round it's a travesty that it didn't i remember uh, that was one of the wasn't that one of the fights where it's like we need five round main events because it was close to that time and i think that was one of the argument fights right that's that's the that's the basically the one they used. I think they came out and Dana. I think right after that one, Dana came out and said, "We're going to make a change. We th- th- it needs to be five rounds." So yeah. uh, th- probably that dude. There were so many other ones that I wanted to. I don't know if we want to get into those lists yet. But. I will just I will just attack onto this before I jump to the Facebook because it's not on anybody's. But uh, I have that written down as my honorable mention. But right underneath it, I have my favorite Diego Sanchez slam mention. Uh, Diego Sanchez versus Paulo Tiago. Paulo Tiago. I mean, yeah, this was Diego Sanchez where he was kind of making his transition from the nightmare contender to like, you don't know right. what the fuck you're going to get out of shape, kind of alky Diego that's just going to go in there and be still scrap, but you're like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Like, he was kind of unfortunately making, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a dick, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he was, he admits yeah. it himself, like, he was going through a rough, rough time. And, but, but even when he kind of showed up out of shape or looking bad, like, he still put on the fucking wars, right? Like, with the Martin Cam, he looked out of shape, but he still came and warred through. But that slam that he hits and ah, the Paul Tiago Honda Center UFC 121, the Lesnar versus uh, Velasquez card. My God, right. that was an underrated fight. Um, but all right, we're on Facebook. Wanley Tran, friend of the podcast, he has Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly as his number one. There's some vindication for a one round war, and I respect Wanley's opinion. Wanley, by the way, grats. Uh, believe he's he's uh past his judging course and it's what i like to see mma fan brazilian jiu-jitsu uh black belts uh you know becoming judges and stuff educated yeah, people like awesome. that so shouts to wanley uh matt hughes versus frank trick twos is number two carlos condit versus dan hardy that did go to a second round before the, the epic finish yeah uh gsp versus bj pen one that's an honorable mention for me but uh yeah i was on my honorables too but again, you know, it, it, was, it was it was an important and classic fight, but not enough people, you know, and George got kind of messed up in the first round, but not enough of like a back and forth swing as, as, as other right. ones for me to make the list if I had to split hairs. I agree. Yeah. Um, great fight, though. Uh, number five, Diego Sanchez versus Carl Parisian. By the way, let me just say, oh! <laughs> I, figured, I thought this one was going to be on your list in particular, but yeah. I will say the Diego Sanchez, Carl Parisian, Nick Diaz trifecta of this time period. Mm-hmm. All those fights kind of just washed together for me. Like, in a good way, they were all great. But they all kind of just, like, they felt like the same fights. Like, it just felt like I know. scrappy grappling matches, right? Did you, did you yeah, I watched, I, wa- I rewatched Diego and Caro today okay. because of that. Because I remember watching it, and I remember it being crazy. And that was actually, speaking of when you when you said that, you know, some of them underwhelmed you. I went back and rewatched that one, and it did underwhelm me a little yes, bit. Just by the amount of bit. clinch work that there was in that fight. Uh, which, you know, not to say I don't like clinch work. I love it. But I think that may, may take it out of war category for me. It was a very close fight. It was a very fun fight. And there were elements of it that were a war. But there was a lot of clinch work, man, between two really strong grapplers. So, a great fight, though. And striking, too. I mean, Caro was never a great striker. Diego right. evolved, <laughs> but was never a great striker. He's stiff. Diaz, Always stiff. 
yeah. Diaz, of course, evolved later, but didn't even get a really chance to show what he had against either of those guys because of their style matchups. And then also, like we're talking about MMA and the evolution of striking, MMA wasn't in a great striking. So what I'm right. what I'm trying to get at is, I think all those fights were really lacking in the striking department too. Even the yeah. instances where they were exchanging, you're like, there's something to be desired there. No, I totally agree. But that uh, is a great fight. Yeah, great, great. I yeah, I love that little trifecta. Um, Martin Stabilo, got to have Robbie Lawler versus McDonald in the top five for sure. Yes, we all agree with you there, my man. John John Rico, uh, regular contributor to the podcast. I had to give Chris Lytle and Carlos Condit double spots here as a couple of my all-time favorites in the division. Fuck, fuck, fucking yes. And how about, you know, by the way, at Jiu-Jitsu says top five, five fights that never happened should be a, a, a category. Um, and uh, Chris Lytle versus Carlos Condit would probably be on that list, I imagine. I mean, talk about fucking... <laughs> yeah. Two guys wired the same way. And then, by the way, I tweeted earlier, I'm, I'm mad that Josh Neer wasn't the one to welcome, like, Carlos Condit to, uh, you know, over Martin Campman, like, a deceptively tough fight. Like, right. you know, I would have loved, like, that instead. Like, that would have been great. Like, Josh Neer versus Carlos Condit. But, sorry, John John Rico says Chris Leto versus Thiago Alves. Ah, that was, one, that was one of my hipster ones on the yes. list. On the mentions. Yeah, that's a – I rewatched that fight today. It's fucking crazy. Great. If it – by the way, like speaking of the, the Keith Wisniewski versus Josh Neer doctor stoppage, this was the other doctor stoppage fight that was closest yeah. to making my list and only yep. probably didn't because it was a doctor stoppage. Like right. I was I was going to put – he has Chris Lytle versus Dan Hardy next, so I'll just, I'll just step on that now for you, John John. John John has Chris Lytle versus Dan Hardy. I w- that was vetting for a top five spot as number five, by the way. But that felt more because it felt like you almost owed it. You know, Dan Hardy's great. Chris Lytle put in a great yeah. body of work, right? And I want I would rather have put in a Chris Lytle, Tiago Alves, but for the doctor stoppage, didn't. So you yeah. have the retiring narrative, though. Shouldn't play that strong of a part on the list. I'm an admitted sure. narrative guy. So it, it was – but when I went back to watch that fight – there really wasn't – I mean, Dan Hardy probably, ironically, landed the, the hardest shot of that fight, but there wasn't a, a, a knockdown. There wasn't a stumbling. No. There wasn't a cuts or bleeding. Um, so I really had to – even though it was a war from start to finish technically, it wasn't yeah. at a volume 9 or 10, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was like, no, absolutely. It, was, it was like a consistent – it was a consistent 7.5. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and, and and talking about guys that went on runs, that was right in the middle of Alves's run that he went on. Right oh, when he Alves. Went up yes, to, absolutely. To yes, that was when, start of Al- his run. Yeah, that was that was right at the beginning of his run, and he and Lytle, in all honesty, kind of showed how to mitigate Alves's power. He crowded him. He, oh, he threw pressured a ton him. Yeah. He pressured. He pressured him, and, and and he and man, he he threw hands, and he was landing some good shots. But good God, those leg kicks were brutal. They spin him around. Like the first one spin him around. I think. <laughs> yeah, after the first one, he was limping. He was limping yeah. after the first one. And, and and the crazy thing about that fight, man, the first punch of the fight cut Lytle open, gave him the cut that that wound up costing him the fight. The the first punch Tiago threw cut him open, and then about the second or third punch he landed dropped him. Yep. So yep. It, was, it was it was crazy, man. Dude, Rogan got <laughs> so hard on those leg kicks. Oh, he was so hard. <laughs> and yeah, dude, that's when him and Goldberg are doing the back and forth. Now it's the slapping Joe that's not as hard. Correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, the dull thud. it's the more of the dull thud that you want to hear. And what was funny was Dan. Again, apropos, you you go listen to Chris Lytle versus Dan Hardy. Rogan is the opposite. Like he's actually so up. Like Rogan is almost pouting in a corner at a certain point of the fight because Dan Hardy abandoned leg kicks and got lulled into a boxing fight with Lytle. <laughs> he's like, he got lulled into a. Bo-. He just like, and then like like he stops complaining about it for. A good minute or two and then you hear you see dan cardi throw a leg kick and then rogan there he goes finally <laughs> like he's like i was like fucking finally like he's almost like, he, like in you know indictive about it like it's great like it's just 
<laughs> I know I talk about it at nauseum on this podcast, but Rogan, and I love Rogan, but he fucking gets hard for like. Oh yeah, we can all. Agree, oh yeah, he right? does. Yeah, he's, he's got his pants halfway unzipped every time Barboza walks he, into the octagon. Jop, jostling his, his fucking belt for uh, for yeah. Christ's sakes. Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry, we're still on so John John. Skeptical. We're still on John John because let's see, it's Roy McDonald versus Carlos Condit. Uh, yeah. Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. Again, more vindication, man. Run one round, it's still a war, sir. I agree. I agree. Dwayne Maness, uh, Rory versus Robbie, don't need any more after that one. Any of the above are deserving for damn sure. I agree with you, Dwayne. Shouts out to you for the beer, sir. Um, and that does it for Facebook. You can follow us on Facebook at the PYN Podcast. Um, as well, likes are appreciated on the page. We don't spam on that one. We just take you for the top five so you can contribute and let you know when new shows are out. So, uh, But all the likes and follows really do help uh, on that. Let's clean up uh, with our with our honorable mentions because I know there's still some that are on there. Is there anything, anything they didn't mention that you felt need to be mentioned, Jordan? Yeah, I got a, I got a few of them. So obviously go. I mentioned Diego Sanchez, but – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. I said go, go, please, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Diego Sanchez had probably four or five of them. I talked about that. We talked about Parisian. We talked about Tiago, uh, yep. uh, Paul Tiago fight. We talked about uh, Campman, Martin Campman versus Diego Sanchez. That was yes. a, that was an absolute scrap. The Ellenberger yes. fight was a scrap. So Diego Sanchez had a good run of like four or five in a row that were just wars. Um, so all of those fights, Condit Campman, I think somebody talked about that one. That one was a great fight. Yep. Uh, how about Lawler Hendricks the first time? Uh, the, that was the a first that fight. Was, yes, that's all my honorable mentions here. Their first fight was a class. As far as like, you know, obviously the even even though it, didn't, it, it either makes your list or doesn't for the Lawler uh, Condit, but as far as yeah. five round wars go, that's a classic yeah. example, right? Lawler yeah. versus versus uh, Hendricks won. Yep, yep, that's what I had on there. Uh, I had Brown Silva on there. Um, how about Lorenz Larkin, Santiago Ponzinibbio? That was oh, a that was yeah, that was a good. And you got the finish, but it was just nonstop action. Yeah, that I was don't a have that. That's great. That was a great. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just another one that man. Lorenz Larkin's one of those dudes where when he's on, he's on, Fuck man, yeah, and yeah. He, he's a he's a beast. Um, what else do I have on here? Uh, let's see. Oh, my my last one, the, my biggest hipster one. You ready for this one? Yeah. I think you'll you'll appreciate this. UFC 103, Rick Story and uh, Brian Foster. Nice. Holy shit. That you, fight was nuts. I was thinking about Rick Story. I knew there was one that I was missing from him, and you just nailed it. Yes, that was a fucking great fight. Un- Brian, two, two underrated guys, by the way. Two dude, Foster ha- probably has the 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 worst. I don't want to say worst luck, but maybe got the 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 shortest end of the stick in yes. UFC that I can think. of. Dude yes. has wins over like fought real close with Rick Story. Has a yep. win over Matt Brown. Beat somebody else too. Beat a really another really good guy, and then just didn't get his contract renewed, and then had some other stuff going, and he now he's fighting ball. outside. Yep. Then he had the ball injury, and then even you look <laughs> at his outside fights, like. He should have beat John Fitch. Like I think he rocked John Fitch, but yeah. he slips on the mat and loses a crucial scramble, and I think he even yep. blew out his knee. And it yeah. wasn't an excuse because this was a PFL card, by the way, where there was rain. It was an outdoor court on the mat, and three fighters blew out their ACL that night. So mm-hmm. that's not an excuse. Like, And you go back and watch the fight, you right. see a slip on a real crucial exchange where the momentum was clearly yep. – like, and he's had like, – like you said, like he's had all these – he's had multiple tough breaks post his UFC on top of what you just mentioned, and you go look yep. at that guy. Fights. He's one of those Midwest dudes who has like thirty Dude. plus fights. And look at how many win or loss have gone a decision. You can count on one hand. Very, very little. And that that fight, I didn't remember it being that crazy. That was one that didn't come up 
right off the top of my head. And so, but I, I, same as you, I was like, I know Rick's story had a crazy fight. And so I went to look it up and I was like, oh, it was the Brian Foster. I went and looked at it, dude, that, cause Rick's story was a, a wrestler and he still right. is primary wrestler, but he came out throwing heat and Brian Foster picked up on what story was doing right off the bat that he was leaning to his, to his left every time Foster would, th- so he started throwing a big right uppercut and man, he cracked story three or four times in the first round. And then obviously story gets him to the ground, subs him in the second round with an arm triangle from guard, by the way, which is obviously difficult to do, but that, that fight was nuts. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a, that was definitely a good one. Um, if you don't mind and feel free to jump in and interrupt and add more, of course, but, uh, just cause you're on the note of hipster picks. Uh, let me just jump in here. Two of my hipster picks. We talked about Chris Lytle versus Thiago Alves again. Great pick. John, John Rico. Um, Chris Lytle versus Robbie Lawler. Was just <laughs> yeah an amazing. It was it was another uh, you know a really good fight. Um, UFC forty five back in the day, and another hipster pick by the way. Uh, early back in the day, early Robbie Lawler. This fight was actually people forget this was considered. You, they were calling this one of their greatest fights of all time um, for a minute, which was kind of crazy because I still would have argued that Frank Shamrock versus Ortiz uh, upped on this, but just by a hair. Yeah. Uh, maybe not by a hair, but 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 upped on this. But with Aaron Riley versus Robbie Lawler at UFC 37, that was Damn. a fucking fight, dude. I mean, yeah. they were. I mean, Robbie Lawler. Does, it's funny because we're so used to seeing Robbie Lawler take that second round off when he comes out hard, right? Like Donald Cerrone, right? Like that. Robbie, we're so used to that. Robbie Lawler takes those yeah. rounds off into the Johnny Hendricks wars. He takes rounds off. But you see that that's embedded in Robbie Lawler's hardwiring even early in his career. This is this is Mike Tyson-esque Robbie Lawler era, right, where they were comparing him to the next Tyson when he came onto the scene. And uh, he just fucking takes it to Aaron Riley. And Aaron Riley is just known for his chin, right? Like his hook-and-shoot days have, have preceded him. And yeah. uh, and fucking, but Robbie Lawler takes a second round off, and Aaron Riley recovers and just fucking just lays into him, like just fucking elbows him in the. Cl- it's it's just it's a great fight uh, for people to go back and watch. Like they were they were helling. This is one of the UFC's greatest fights. I like, put it that way. Um, uh, Marcus Davis versus Lytle ninety three. I think I wrote that, but that was that was underwhelming. One one that I thought was going to be on my list, by the way, Jordan. I swear it was going to be on my list and was underwhelming. Was Chris Lytle versus Josh Koscheck. At UFC oh, yeah, 86, because I was scrambling to get, get get to a Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the fight. Like I was in that <laughs> era where I was I didn't have a have a place really to watch it, oh, same here. and I wanted yeah. to watch the you know headlining that fight for people that don't know light heavyweight affair between Forrest Griffin versus Rampage Jackson. Rampage, yep. But we're trying to get, scramble to get a fight uh, a seat at Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, between the pre, uh, prelims, which weren't as accessible back then to the main card. No, exactly, you never saw him. Exactly, yeah. and you look up at the screen, and I, I see this bloody mess. And I came in at about round two. And round one was yeah. pretty pretty lackluster when I went back to watch it. Right. But Josh Koscheck versus Chris Lytle. And I will mention this fight because I think it's important. Even though it was underwhelming in the watch, I think it was more Josh Koscheck's brutal ground and pound because he knew yeah. that Chris Lytle was going to offer way more than he wanted. Josh Koscheck was even pissed because he's the first time he admits this is the first time he stuck to a game plan and wrestled. Right. Before he would wrestle out of necessity. This was the first time he wrestled out of game plan because if you notice – this was an important part of both their career. Josh Koscheck was really underrated. He got a lot of shit, but this era of Josh Koscheck was my favorite. And it actually started in this Chris Lytle fight, even though he wrestled more than he wanted to. Where Josh Koscheck started getting comfortable with kickboxing. And right. he was granted, he was just he was going out there to collect a check, and so was Chris Lytle. And there's a negative connotation, right, Jordan? To, he's just going out there to collect a check. Right. I would argue that guys like Chris Lytle and Josh Koscheck were guys where I, I think we were all fucking cheering to go out in there and collect their check because after Josh Koscheck failed to George St. Pierre, 
it was clear that's what he was doing. But it was okay because he was going out there and he was scrapping with guys. Even if it was a Tiago Alves in his fucking prime, Josh Koscheck was taking yeah. that fight on short notice. Yeah. He was going out there and kickboxing with the fucking guy. He beat him. And Chris yeah. Lytle, of course, with his story was more noted where he came up short against Matt Serra. <coughs> And, and and both guys were haunted by that fight, right? Like, Matt Serra was having guys, like, yell, Hey, Chris Lytle kicked your ass at the gas station. Whereas Chris Lytle was the guy that came up short. And he was haunted and said, Fuck this. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to earn bonuses every time. Right. And this was a fight that it, it was underwhelming when you went back and watched it. But you look at the time span, it was a catalyst for some of the two most underrated workmen to go in there and put in wars and just earn their checks. And I, I don't blame him for it. No, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, I think Lytle – actually, they even mentioned it in the commentary when I was watching that Lytle-Alvis fight because um, it was so close to making my list. And and, and they, they mentioned it. They were like, Lytle's been on the wrong end of a, like three or four split decisions. Yeah, they are calling him and grappler. So like, yeah, so he just went out there. He's like, fuck it. I'm just going to win fight of the night or you know knock people out and get knocked out of the night. So. Yeah, that was a great, that was a great fight. Uh, just, just, just I think three others, just three others that I have on my list. Um, again, to be a hipster, I was going to try to be a hipster and I was like, pride, dude, I don't know if you went and researched pride, Jordan, but pride was pretty weak in the welterweight side of things. It was from what I I didn't look into it too much, but I I remember everything. I would think of something. I'm like, Oh, that was middleweight. Uh, that was light heavyweight. Uh, that was open weight. The good welterweights, like you think of their good fights, obviously Dan Henderson, but even other guys, you know, even other guys like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Misaki or the Daniels yeah. fights Misaki. Like his first fight with Misaki was pretty entertaining, but not enough to make the list. Second fight less right. entertaining, right? Um, but even other guys. Oh, what's the, what's the guy? Uh, he was another Kazuo. He fought in the UFC. God damn it! He fought against. Yes, he gave Shogun a, a deceptively tough fight, a three round fight. Oh, Shogun's um, prime. But again, that was a light heavyweight. A lot of the, in other words, a lot of the the the, the pride welterweights. Which again, we're not talking about one seventy guys. We're talking yes, we're talking about one eighty three. But even if I was trying to be hipster and give a one eighty three welterweight uh, some shine, most of those one eighty three welterweights, uh, and I'm sure Jordan, you, you you found this too. Their great mm-hmm. fights happened in like open weight grand prix. Exactly. Happened at light heavyweight um so or mid or quote-unquote middleweight for pride right, right. so it, it didn't qualify i couldn't cut couldn't pull any of you right uh no no not not from pride i thought about it and i briefly looked into it but yeah it was like everything that was coming to my head was i was like no that was open weight no that was middleweight you know so yeah it was just not if, if you want to be an asshole you could say conor mcgregor versus nate diaz too although i will argue <laughs> that i will argue that nate diaz versus marcus davis was a better welterweight fight for nate diaz welterweight runs <laughs> Nate didn't have a great welterweight run. Maybe not a better fight, actually. It wasn't a better fight, but a more qualifying fight because I was actually welterweight. Yeah. Uh, right. That was actually a, a good fight, uh, Nate, Nate versus Connor, too. I'm, it was. I'm being a dick. I'm being a dick here, but, but it was a good fight. Uh, you know, it was not a good, you know, it was, just real quick, you know, it was yeah. not a good Nate Diaz 170 fight when Rory McDonald said, hey, you're way too small for this division. Let me throw you on your head 27 times. I was at that fight, <laughs> UFC 125. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I wasn't at that. I was at the other fight where that happened to him. Uh, UC 125, he fought Dong Young Kim and kind of had oh, not, yeah, not as thing. dramatic, but same thing, right? But yeah, big, yeah. strong grapplers that walk around at 200 pounds. Like, Dude. you're not going to beat those dudes, Nate. <laughs> Me and George, you, you know, we work together now, but we weren't working together at the time. We were talking to Nick Diaz after in the lobby, and I was so stoked to. Because obviously I was already like following Nick Diaz's career by this time. I was like, oh, Nick Diaz. Like one of the few times where I, I kind of felt my fanboy inkling kind of come out. Because I'm not that kind of guy where MMA or celebrities, I'm, I don't really care. Like I mean, these people mm-hmm. are normal people. They have to live their lives. I don't give a shit. But I was like, oh, it's Nick Diaz. It's pretty cool. But he was so fucking angry. Like it almost scared me where like Nate Diaz was just, I mean, Nick Diaz, I mean, was so his brother lost. Like he was just ready to fight anybody in the lobby. 
And George was like, hey, well, if you want to come on the show and talk about it. Like, These fucking judges, man. These fucking wrestlers. And it was funny. Like, Nick was talking about stuff that would later come out in the media. like stuff like little angles like, you know, him feeling bad about his brother, feeling like his brother's following his road because of him and that he's getting matched up with tough, tough fights because of the name that he carries. And right. you can almost sense that guilt from Nick back then. Sorry, side yeah. tangent, but just two more fights I want to mention. Tyron Willie versus Nate Marquardt. Uh, that, that had some back and forth to it. You know, that first Tekken Strike combo. Force shine. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Strike Force, you know, most of Strike Force was like, I think lightweight and middleweight were their stronger divisions, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. the times. Uh, middleweight, it, 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 you know what I find with Strike Force? I think, I think, and shout out, you know, he's a Hawaiian Asian dude or whatever, Rich Chu, the matchmaker who does Bellator mm-hmm. now under Scott Coker. He's Scott Coker's quiet right hand man. But a lot of it was, Rich Chu matchmaking, which I call smashmaking, right? Yeah. A lot, a lot of heavy favorite, a lot of, a lot of Robbie Lawler versus the aged uh, Matt Lindland. You know what I'm saying? Oh, um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you, you made a lot of, you, you had a lot of great finishes in Strike Force, but yeah, you, you think about it, you didn't get a lot of good wars. I mean, unless you got no. the Gilbert Melendez, Josh Thompson's that, right. that Two met. evenly matched guys, right? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of wars. Did you find that for your Strike Force research there? Yeah, man. The, the really, that you just mentioned the other one that I found besides Daily Diaz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I really wanted to get the GOAT, you know, George St. Pierre in here. But again, part of George St. Pierre's criticism is that when you look at wars, there really wasn't, I mean, John, even John Fitch, it was a dom, it was considered a domination, but that was the closest fight. That and his fight with Carlos Khan that I've written on here were the closest right. fights to George St. Pierre wars. And I really wanted to give George St. Pierre due, not that he really needs it. He's already the fucking greatest resume, greatest welterweight, greatest everything, right? But yeah. I wanted to get him on the list, but really there wasn't a lot of wars. What did you feel about George St. Pierre in this list to close things off? Uh, yeah, kind of the same thing, man. I was I I, w- I would have loved to get GSP on here, but he's, I mean, his loss that I you know his losses that I remember weren't wars, and I'm trying to rem- he dominated so many of his wins. I was trying to think back to like early early George before he was even the champ, maybe. Um, like he had a pretty competitive fight with Mayhem. Like that fight yeah. was that fight was pretty competitive. Um, I think uh, the uh, his Caro fight was not. I mean, not super back and forth, but I mean, it, it was underrated, like, but not not enough to make a war. Right. I, I love that fight. I stick up to that fight more than most, but I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. No. So so like it, it was just hard. The only yeah. yeah the only ones I could think about were if you wanted to put the Johnny Hendricks fight on there, just because it was so close, you could call right. it a war, I guess. But the, I would say the Condit one would be the closest thing to a war because he was actually hurt in that fight yeah, and had to come back from kick. it. Yeah. yeah. His the, face the head was kick. Fucked. Yeah. The alien his head after that fight. Remember? Yeah. And he took a took a shin to the dome. That was probably the closest one, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't make my list though for that. That same reason, and man, that's all covered for me. Anything else you want to uh, touch on before we get out of here? I don't think so, man. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully, I can come back on sometime. We can do it maybe for another weight class or something. Definitely, man. Uh, definitely want to have you back on, and I'm glad to have these back on for a normal basis again, folks. Uh, we're doing these once a month, and uh, Jordan will definitely be back on, and uh, you know. Uh, Again, I, I love everybody who's on here. Everybody's been a great guest. I, and I feel like it's a crime because I don't get to enough people, to be honest. But I also will be lying. Uh, you know, Jordan's been on here most of a reason. So thank you for, for ingratiating this podcast and ingratiating me coming coming on here, sir, uh, and, 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 and breaking this down. This was fun, man. Thanks, buddy. said it before. I'll say it again. You're my favorite person in the world to talk MMA with. All right. All right. Well, uh, on that note, we're, we're going to get out of here. But, uh, again, nothing new since the last podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> fucking disaster of an after party podcast when uh yeah when dan tom gets uh drinking and doesn't sleep uh, you know what happens but hey again i warn you guys on the fucking beginning of those fucking monstrosities um so sorry if there's not much of a recap for anything again with with the current events reminder nothing new coming through yet but you can click through itunes amazon um I'm going to revamp the, the Predicting podcast. That is one thing I'm doing on this break just as far as giving out a facelift. And uh, not to be – again, I know I feel like I'm teasing more things, but these things will be paid off in the future, folks. There are also you know, um, maybe some more content coming to MixedMartialAnalysts.com, more of a reason to click. But if you want to think of us for your Amazon or your Onnit purchases, there are click-throughs there that don't cost you a penny. Uh, you just – do your normal shopping, but you go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com, whether you're at our homepage, whether you're at our podcast or any of our subpages. If you want to go look at my past breakdowns for references for an upcoming fight to study for your plays, you'll notice a little on it or Amazon banner to the right side. You might have to toggle if you're on the smartphone, but you go ahead and click through that. It doesn't cost you a penny. You don't get any annoying emails. You're not on some watch list. No one's watching you You know, jerk off to porn. You just buy your stuff. You get out of there, and you support a podcast you hopefully are already listening to if you're listening to my voice. So thank you in advance for that. I will read those items off. It don't don't worry. I don't get your personal information. It just lists me the item. It doesn't list who you are. And I'll probably, I'll probably Jordan put Killian bought a 12-inch dildo. Dude, we got, we got Magnum Condoms bought in the last one. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Hell like, yeah, somebody bought some, Yeah, I mean, you know, they're... <laughs> I mean, they're listening to some fire on the Protecting Neck podcast, and they're packing heat. You can't blame them. You can't get hate your that. motherfucking life, dog. Yeah, dude, fire from all ends. You can't hate that. Just click through. Just click through. Mixed martial arts on a list. For and by the way, I am on a list, but it's not for what for clicking through the thing. That's just that's for something else. Both of us. Thank, thankfully, we have cool neighbors who are willing to sign shit. All right. <laughs> Jordan, anything you want to plug before we get out of here, buddy? Or, uh, no way, buddy. I, I'll be back on here shortly, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully, I'll have some more stuff coming out soon. Cool. In the meantime, give my man Jordan a follow, at MMA on the Twitter sphere. And, uh, you know, until next time, we'll, we'll get to some new lists. You can hit us on FPYM Podcast for your list. Uh, I'll probably be back with something before UFC Lincoln is the next card, if not a UFC Lincoln podcast. Uh, again, we're only going to be doing one top five a month, but you cycle an old one because I was looking back and collecting lists. There's some really, really good older ones, and you know I've got a lot of new listenership I think coming in and will be coming in. So it's good to just remind people of the older stuff. So I may I may cycle a flashback episode coming your way, but enjoy this nice break from MMA, guys. We don't really get it too much. I know as a fan, it's easy to just absorb stuff every weekend. As a degenerate gambler, it certainly doesn't hurt. I'm not hating on that. You got to enjoy this stuff. Go get your vitamin D. Get your sunlight. Enjoy life. There's more to MMA. But when you do enjoy MMA, enjoy it to the fullest. And always protect your necks.